symbology. You done yet? Dude, I have four fucking clips for you right now. Would you just relax? All right, you so glad I'm back. I actually like it better when you're not here, Bennett. <clears throat> Ouch. Yeah, Bennett's over here Russian Joe. Dude, I'm just trying to <laughs> just trying to add clips for this guy. He asked me to do it. I'm just trying to do it, but you know. Oh, I asked you to do it like two months ago. <laughs> hey everybody, welcome back to Human Reaction. Wait, gotta stop. Why? Well, because it's a special week. Oh. Wait, before we do that, is our all of our camera frames and stuff? I did move and I just want to make sure my camera. Yeah, you're good. Yeah, okay, because I, I, I had I had to move right where I was. Cool. Uh, oh, so yeah. The special thing that happened this week. It was your birthday. Oh yeah. I yesterday. You, oh. Uh, a birthday. You brought me a thing. There you go. I'm gonna think. give you some diabetes for your birthday. <laughs> <Dude. laughs> birthday diabetes. Thank you so much. Yeah. I've been hiding it in my lap for a long time. <laughs> oh, is that why it's warm? Yeah, well, I mean, in my pants. So it's cream food. looks like it came it's from your pants. <laughs> <laughs> wow, thank you so much. As this, uh, of course, buddy. So you gotta take a big bite of it and then read the intro for everybody. Sick. All right, I will. Ready? Here we go. Happy birthday. Oh wow. <laughs> Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Human Reaction, <laughs> your weekly source for independent commentary on cultural news and politics. <laughs> it's always our pleasure. Pleasure? Mission. <laughs> to arm you with the tools you need to cut through media misdirection and resist the mononarrative. That's not the real intro. Ben is going to hate editing that. That's why we should keep it. Okay. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not touching it. <laughs> That's what you get. Thank you. That was delicious. Uh, you might have noticed if you're a regular subscriber that we have a whole bunch of other videos coming out. And I thought we'd just take one quick second to say that this podcast is going to have three different parts to it th that we're going to be talking about, but then it will be released in three different chapters. So you can either skip ahead here or you can wait until the other video comes out or watch them both and really support us. So please do so. Uh, it's part of our effort to take advantage of that algorithm and grow our audience and grow our contribution and everything that we're doing here at human reaction also a lot of people just like shorter clips or like shorter content yeah, right well not, you know we not are two and a half hour content right we are appealing to the lowest common denominator of society who has a very short attention span right that's our target audience you would never say that about our audience <laughs> i would never say that about our audience in fact i'm being incredibly sarcastic you guys are bucking the trend you don't care about short clips you like long form deep dive conversations that's what we're and we doing. don't want to bring those to you but also we want to Help some of the other normies along. Yeah, but also well. the long form is like like the super fans, and then like the short form is much more for like the people that might tune in sometimes. Right. Like that tends to be how that works, I think, in most uh, most podcast situations, right? Very true. And for super fans, we have Taylor Swift, and we're going to be asking the question: Is she an asset of the Illuminati, or is she just making basic chick music? And the answer is yes, she is an asset. <laughs> Next question. And also <laughs> making basic chick music. <laughs> yes, the answer is yes and yes. Uh, we're going to be discussing the, uh, the Shiite militants attack U.S. troops in Jordan. Biden threatens regional war. Were we right all along in some of our predictions when we talked about the Israel? The answer is also yes. And yes. then uh, lastly, we have a bunch of older stories that now have come back into the news cycle and a bunch of other uh, kind of quick reaction content we're going to be going through at the end. Should be a lot of fun. That's my part. This thing is really good, David. Thank you. Yeah. And while you're here and while Joe is just chowing down on that on that uh, little cake or whatever, whatever that thing is, um, make sure to like, comment, subscribe on whatever platform you're on. Um, I know we just hit a thousand subscribers on TikTok and we're also about to hit a pretty major milestone on YouTube. <laughs> 
also about to hit a major milestone on YouTube, probably after this episode or the next episode, which is going to unlock a bunch of new things for us to utilize, right? It's going to be so exciting. We're going to have access to memberships. You can support us directly through YouTube by joining our channel, contributing to our work financially. We're going to be able to sell cool merchandise. We have some super exciting news coming about that as well. Um, there's some other things too. We're going to be able to like offer kind of behind the scenes exclusive content. So mm-hmm. it's going to be really great. We're super close. Hopefully this episode gets us over the mark to where we can offer those yeah. things. Mm-hmm. So and we're not done with Substack either. We have some plans for Substack, although it's been kind of a soft launch. We can keep uh, keep your eyes there too. If you want to support us, it's a great avenue to do so. Super soft launch. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll be hardening the launch soon. Speaking of which, soon. Taylor Swift. That was a bad trend. What? <laughs> Does Taylor Swift harden your launch, David? <laughs> I think that's one of the reasons she's popular. Yeah. I suppose. Yeah, I suppose yeah, yeah. That's what, possible. Is, what is happening? This episode? <laughs> There's just so much degeneracy happening on this episode. <laughs> There's never any degeneracy on this show, David or Kyle, whoever you are. <laughs> now I'm back to confusing your guys' names. It's fine. It's fine. Okay. What the heck is is Taylor Swift all about? Why does anybody care? Well, she had quite she's had quite the year right so she had a massive tour she was the times person of the year she became a billionaire she's all over the tabloids because of her relationship with travis kelsey um she's talking with the white house about removing deep fakes from uh from the internet of her because they've become very like all over the place now so she's been all over the place so it makes sense that she's getting a lot of news coverage but there's also just a lot of conspiracies that are coming around her. Mm-hmm. So where do we want to dive into first? Well, here? starting out like her Tynes person of the year is, is a pretty big deal, right? Like that's a cultural touchstone that really matters to, I think, Normans. A little, little bit us if you're not into her. But if you're just kind of looking at what the average person comes across, time person here is no small thing. Um, the interesting, one of the things I wanted to note was like they have a very peculiar meet cute, right? A what? So you uh, know what a meat cute is? A no. meat cute? Yeah. So I, in, uh, I know this because... Uh, uh, Don't worry about explaining it. Just just embrace it. Just embrace it. I've heard it, but I couldn't tell you what You it should means. know this. You're in film. Okay, so it's just a narrative yeah, device about how... A terrible a, film. <laughs> how a couple meet in a film, right? Where he talked about her on her podcast, right? So if she talks about her, his podcast, it's going to put a ton of eyes on it that wouldn't otherwise listen to a podcast, much less her being in a relationship. So he talked about how he went to her Eras tour while it was going on and how much he loved her Eras tour. He's a dude who went to a Taylor Swift podcast. No judgment. Anyways. Um, yeah, not a podcast. And then he put her on blast uh, for not, for turning him down when he tried to give her his number at the at the at the tour she turned him down yeah and then she heard about that in the media after he put it out on his podcast and then reached out to him and then they became a couple right so you notice that the meet cute advertises all their things which is very peculiar podcast tour yeah it's very commercial yeah but very commercial it is also how like two celebrities might meet so it's plausible i mean more than likely they would they would meet at some sort of like function that was very exclusive right like they end up at the same party in the hollywood hills and then they get to talking whatever that's probably more likely how celebrities would meet right rather than like chirping at each other through the media i i don't know there's also a whole dating app for celebrities Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm on it. Yeah, that? Raya. Raya. I'm on Raya. it. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and pretty successful. Pretty, well. pretty successful. <laughs> yeah. uh, so but, in, uh, but, but, in, yeah. and, but also to go with that point, 
fake relationships for media coverage and for boosting brands and things like that is also a very real thing. Like, well, it's like a cultural like, cliche. Yeah, it's a very right? real thing. It's like you, it's, it's like in uh, BoJack Horseman, right? Has has jokes about that and puts it into their narratives, and no one questions it, right? The idea that a promotion company would say, "Hey, you're going to date so that we can promote your album," and we'll send paparazzi to the place, like, yeah. and we'll get it all figured out, like, like make it look. A casual. lot of this is very. A lot of it's very manufactured. Yeah. Uh, like not saying this is necessarily, but like celebrity relationships are often like that. Yeah. So the other part of that is she had an entire media cycle recently on deep fakes. So we talked a little bit about AI and regulation of AI and one of the concerns about that. We had this interesting phenomena that she like someone came out with a series of deep fakes using AI software that was trying to take advantage of her like going to the football game. And they got very popular online. And then so she expressed concern to that to the White House. Uh, X actually banned searching her name for a little while so that they could try to get ahead of suppressing these deep fakes. Uh, very interesting. And additionally, there was a bill introduced in Congress to deal with deep fakes um, around a similar time, but it was probably written prior. Question. So everyone's like, well, you know, X is this bastion of free speech and stuff. How does the deep fake thing work with that narrative? Is it. Are they suppressing it because it's technically porn or something like that or porn adjacent? Like what's the what's the argument around why that's that's okay for Elon to ban that, but perhaps not other objectionable content? I think it makes sense just from a TOS perspective. Terms of service. Yeah, terms of service to not allow for fake imagery of people that could ruin their reputation because that can be like that's like libel, right? Yeah, sure. Um, But it's pretty clear that it's fake. Right, that is an AI-generated image. Yeah, but like it's also the deepfake territory gets into a very weird thing. Like, one, you're not going to stop the deepfakes. Yeah, like you're, like most of these are being made by in like Eastern European crime gangs out. Like, like that's where these like deepfake factories are happening. Um, so like you're not you're not going to stop it really. Or horny teenagers. Or horny teenagers, because now now the proliferation of technology exists, and anybody can just use stable diffusion and make stuff. Right. Um, but when it comes down to this, like, I think it makes sense for Twitter to do a temporary uh, ban, like search ban on her just to be able to clear this stuff out and, and get ahead of it uh, yeah. to, just to make your platform better. Right? Yeah. It's like it's that line between management of the platform to make sure it's a good user experience. And then there's also like, you know, this is a very popular person with how many millions of Twitter followers, right? Like you want her Twitter followers to like respect the platform and continue using it. So sure. Well, like economic there could, yeah, there could yeah. have been a commercial incentive to make sure that you know, her fans didn't get disgusted by right. what was going on. That's fair. Where does the line get drawn? Does, does everybody get the right to have their deep fake scrubbed from X? Right. If, and what if counts, right? If you, if, you, if you just take, uh, um, I don't know the rock and put them in a cyberpunk, you know, setting from mid journey, and it's like, hey, this is a really cool image. Is that going to be suppressed? Yeah. Right? Or someone would, like, say pulls a, a fake of someone and uses it as an ad, yeah. right? Like, well, they're commercializing their likeness. Do they have the right to pull that down potentially? Right. That's, and that's some of what this uh, so-called AI regulation bill is supposed to handle, but it goes way beyond that and goes to places like, you know, what I'm talking about where you're doing something that's art or you're doing something that is referential or you're doing something that's comedy and it might actually suppress that too. So this line, this is one of just one of the innate challenges of intellectual property is a problem because it's not property because it's the idea of what you look like, which is difficult to create boundaries around um, and monetizing that and making sure that the government does emulates a market in that very difficult to do with regulation hmm. well, that doesn't actually end up suppressing speech. Well, and it also just gets into this area like um, 
deep fake pornography of celebrities. Like if you have a certain brand image, it is a very, it, that is a damaging thing to your brand. So like whatever means you have for trying to suppress that, it makes sense for you to take those actions. Um, it's going to be very difficult to suppress it. That's just, yeah. that's just the truth of it. Mm-hmm. But if you have like a, you know, a cookie cutter PG image of your stuff and all of a sudden you're, you know, all of that's being put into like X rated content because of AI, that's brand damaging. That's a problem. Yeah. May, may, maybe like there could also be a brand expansion that exists there too, like yeah. in a sense, because that, that is, that is like a now more eyeballs that are coming to your thing. There yeah. is another reverse. Was Pamela Anderson there. more or less famous after mm-hmm. the tape than before? Kim Kardashian too, right? Right. Questions. So one of this is what is the end state? And I want to point out that we have an interesting introduction that actually happened this morning of the opposite story, which is that I don't know if it's actually 4chan that released it, but this is how it was covered. I think it came out of 4chan. Yeah. Uh, Launch a new AI tool called Dignify. 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 Go ahead and blow up one of the pictures. And and basically what it does is it goes through and it makes the clothing of women more modest using an AI algorithm and stable diffusion. She's still missing the bonnet, but it's pretty good. Yeah. So go to the next one. It's just, it's just really the compression of them. So, wow. Yeah. That's a very tasteful, uh, piece but, right there but the the internet meme culture is they're clothing like only fans girls yeah, right? Yeah, right, like right, that's right. that's what's going on and so it's hilarious. like a joke but it's also <laughs> like really like think about it as a kid person with kids what you want is their experience of the internet not to take away something from them mm-hmm. right they, but do you want them to have access to all of the richness of information and curiosity and things like that so imagine if you had an ai actively monitoring the situation and keeping you know adult images away or if you know in the right appropriate just making it more modest and less like distracting and hormone turning mm-hmm. um, for young people who are trying to focus on the internet. These are good things. Like these are actual positive tools that could evolve out of this whole thing um, that would go in the opposite direction. So you want to make sure is that your the regulations that you create to suppress the you know the harm that could be caused from a defake that ruins someone's brain and therefore causes monetary impact from keeping something like that from actually evolving itself on the internet. Where, where I imagine this ends up going, just speculating long-term on AI, is that everybody ends up kind of having their personal AI assistant that helps them navigate the internet, and parents would be able to have parental controls on their kids' like AI assistant type of thing, right? Um, because right now, when you're, when you're scrolling through social media, you're completely dictated by the algorithm that is put forward by a centralized company, and you, can, you just flip a switch, like do I want NSFW content or do I not? And right. that's, that's like your only control mechanism that you have right now, besides who you follow and, right. and just who the algorithm spits out at you. I, I think that is probably going to AI is going to clean up that process. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll also probably take the load off of, um, I see just, I see <laughs> Joe just smiling at me right now. And I'm like, what is he doing? Well, I, know, I think I know where Joe's going to go. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm just picturing a 14 year old boy going to a porn site and it's like an (laughs) Amish chick churning butter. (laughs) Oh, you've seen those. She fell ice skating and he's helping her up. It's just like completely like, you know, I just, I can't. Well, you can get much smarter blockers too. If you have an AI blocker. Yeah. Yeah. And they keep away from that altogether, but there's gotta be lines drawn. Additionally, then, then there's the opposite. If you're just a super horny 20 something year old and you create the AI that makes everything into porn. How'd right. you know I was 20 something? That's really, it's, well, if someone is, sorry. <laughs> Anyways, enough about AI and pornography. Let's get back to Taylor uh, and her hubby. Who is Travis Kelsey? 
He's got a chick name for his last you, you, name. You even spelled his name wrong in the notes. Oh, is that uh, okay? <laughs> <laughs> got a oh, chick name yeah. for his last name. <laughs> Sorry. Never, David loves sports, I've by the way. I've never once thought that, but now that you said it, I'm gonna, never going to think of it differently. <laughs> Gay. All right, all right. Well, all right. I, I mean, I think the internet knows who Travis Kelsey is. Like, he's yeah, Kansas he's, City Chiefs. You know, he's going to the Super Bowl. Do all of our listeners um, know? They're not all sports ball guys. Yeah, okay? I mean, if, if, if you've existed on the internet, I can't see how you can't know. He's a tight. <laughs> That's true. And so, for the Kansas City Chiefs, yeah. is he now? Two times Super runs a Bowl podcast. winning tight end. He runs a podcast with his brother Jason, also in the NFL on the Eagles. Yeah. Bennett is our local sports caster See? over here. That's what we needed. Yeah. Then we needed. So he was also in a commercial for Pfizer. Do we want to play that? Yes. Uh, yeah. You know you can get this season's COVID nineteen shot when you Free get your flu shot. for Pfizer. Oh. Two things at once. Two things at once. Two things at once. I do appreciate his beard style. Two things at once. I'll have the two things at once, please. Now back to two things at once. Two things at once. That's not two things at once. Mama. Travis, ask about getting this season's COVID-19 shot when getting your flu shot. The only thing less appealing than getting the COVID shot is also getting a flu shot at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, Pfizer. Some free advertisement. Hopefully you give us some of those. We should blur Pfizer that. Bucks. Bennett, let's make sure we blur that out when we. <laughs> just the whole actually, time. That, it's just a big blur. That might be good for the algorithm. <laughs> we might actually get we some views on this video. Right. This is how we us. do it. We just um, give Pfizer free advertisement <laughs> and then trash We just start every episode with a Pfizer ad. That's how we get it. That's how oh, we do it. Oh, man. Next level strategy. 40 um, chess, baby. Okay, so and then the Super, the Chiefs are a successful team, right? So Super Bowl 2020, lost the Super Bowl in 2021, and then won again in last year, 2023. Well, and this is where a lot of the internet conspiracy land is starting to go is because, one, there was a lot of – I didn't watch the game, but there was a lot of people complaining about the last game, about them boring. feeling it was rigged. Like I saw just a lot of that on the internet. I didn't watch it, so I, I, I have no idea. It's just a blowout. Um, I don't think I didn't think it was rigged. Did you think it was rigged? I didn't watch it. Yeah, I didn't but, watch it either. <laughs> but anyone who watched the Super Bowl wasn't, <laughs> wasn't the Super Bowl. Yeah, it was last last week. You mean? Oh, you oh you mean last week? About yeah, the, last, yeah. Week, last I was year. Say, oh, no, no, okay. I mean last week was not a. Oh, the, against the um, Ravens. The Ravens. Ravens. Well, there's yeah. a claim that the the um, head referee uh, is particularly harsh against home teams, and he was the head referee of that game, so he was mm. h- harsher against the Eagles potentially than against the Chiefs. I don't know if that was Ravens. borne out. Um, what did I say? Eagles? Sorry. Yeah, yeah that's what yeah, he was on. The other bird, bird team. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, one of the other bird teams. Um, so he was Sports. he was harder on the Ravens <laughs> than he was on the Chiefs, but. Right, right. Uh, but I don't know. Was that was that borne out in like penalty yards lost in the game? I just saw the internet. Like I didn't dig into it all. Yeah. Like I just saw the internet freaking out about it. But it goes into uh, there's a lot of talk around the manufactured nature of the relationship between him and Taylor Swift. And there's also a lot of talk going in around um, her effect on voting and endorsements, things like that. Right. So like there's becoming this larger conspiracy web that is starting to form around the entire relationship. And we're Mm going to dig into each of those elements. Specifically interesting was that it started. And then the, whenever the Super Bowl would happen or not the Super Bowl, whenever a football game would happen with the, with the chiefs, it'd spend a lot of time, be like, oh, and Taylor Swift is here and like all that kind of stuff. And it became a meme on the internet where football guys were obviously complaining about the football game that they wanted to watch was actually a Taylor Swift advertisement for mm-hmm. Errors Tour. Uh, and then, you know, and then 
women watching football and maybe driving up the numbers of viewers. Right. That was. I don't think it's a maybe. I saw a statistic that um, this relationship, Taylor Swift, has brought somewhere in the order of three hundred and thirty plus million dollars to the NFL this season. And talking about the NFL more than we otherwise would. Because increases, we are right now. Increases right. their right. ratings and the NFL's ratings have been on a downtrend over the last several years. People have been losing interest in it mm. uh, over the last several years. Mm-hmm. Is that because of the politics thing? Is that the argument? I think that's certainly a factor. I think, yeah. it's, I think it's multiple variables, but that, that is one of the major variables. Yeah. I think mm. it's also because it's rigged and people are like, this is stupid. <laughs> is exactly. it? And that's, that's the other part of the conspiracy <laughs> that, that the NFL's rigged, partly because referees and other things. There's also this theory that the Super Bowl colors, like the logo of the Super Bowl predicts who's going to win. That's what pretty you, easy to debunk that, right? I mean, that because this one this isn't year, this well, one isn't didn't match up. <laughs> well, well, that's because they figured it out. Well, right? well, yeah, exactly. Well, here, here's also <laughs> like we have had instances of referees in major sports over the last several decades that have been caught rigging games for the sake of like sports betting and stuff like that. Like that, that yeah. is a thing that has NBA occurred in the past. Really right? bad one, like, yeah. The NBA 10, was, is the one I'm thinking of years ago. Something um, like that. So like, this isn't a necessarily a new phenomenon that this could be the possibility that happens, you know, like it, it's, it's been there. We, we know that's happened. Right. So, so one of the things I've seen is that the Super Bowl colors thing is one of those things. You'll have like a gradation, a bunch of colors. And, and so what people happen. And I think the reason why that's so like easily where people should approach that with, skepticism is because you have the post hoc ergo propter hoc fallacy right something happens and then afterwards you notice a pattern and then you make an assumption between those two patterns right and it's really it's a really tempting and easy to fall into problem it's like and the easy way to think about this that isn't latin is the rooster crows and the sun comes up and so you make the assumption that the rooster crowing makes the sun come up in this case you see the the super bowl logo it has the same colors as the team who won you make the association. Then there might even be some data points that actually can play out very clearly, but then you kind of lose that in the larger ones. That doesn't mean it's not true. It just means you're not using, you don't have enough evidence yet to actually make the connection. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because it, with that, you could say, well, if you were an elite and you wanted to send a signal to make some money, especially given the fact that it, it, this is another one, a fact, I did not mean fact, the speculation or a lot has been reported in the right areas of the internet but the NFL's register is an entertainment company, not a sports company. And therefore, it doesn't necessarily have to follow the rules of the sport, per se. <laughs> it doesn't have to be fair. It could be unfair. It could be like WWF as opposed to the UFC, which people have it. also claimed that the UFC is rigged. I can too. see it. It, has there been evidence of that in the in the UFC? No, I, I I find most of it is that people don't like the narrative carrying of it. They are like sports purists who don't like mm-hmm. the narrative that the UFC draws around the fighters. Mm-hmm. But the narrative is what draws people to fights. Yeah, sure. Right? The narrative is everything. Well, yeah. it's, it's, it's more so than the fight itself. Right. That's, <laughs> the narrative that's why people talk so much shit. Like yeah. most of these guys are normal dudes. In, in, like, and you'll see it when they're in their amateur phase, when they're coming up, they talk like everyday humans. And then be, they get into the UFC, they start to they lose their yeah. mind. Connor, Connor McGregor is a master of the narrative control around the UFC, right? right. Like think of Connor McGregor, Sean Strickland too, mm-hmm. right? Sean Strickland did, or, or the, I forget the guy who's always doing in the MAGA, um, sphere. Uh, his name right now. It, um, Colby Covington, Colby yeah. Covington. Yeah, exactly. So like there is an economic incentive to create heat 
and therefore create controversy and therefore comment on social issues in a ways that appease and actually cultivate audience for the UFC. Unlike what the NFL has done, UFC's leaned into that because they know their their uh, their audience is right wing. So Sean Strickland saying what he said since when he became champion only drew more eyes to what he was doing. And also Dana White just like owning reporters in the press conferences <laughs> also that. has been also pretty good too. Also that. That's been fantastic. Yeah. I really enjoy those. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. All I'm saying is that there is an economic incentive to do that. Oh, for that sure. doesn't mean it's rigged. That said, there are arguments for this sort of thing when it comes to the NFL, right? And why are they registered as an entertainment company? Is that factual? I didn't do the research. I'm just saying that this is what the internet's saying. Do your own research, people. Yeah. We can't do it all for you. D-Y-O-R. Yeah, well, especially on this topic. I got more important shit to do. This is not right. financial advice. Do we want to get into the Instagram video that really summarizes uh, this well? Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's get into the symbolism. Oh, I got it. Well, I got to go to the second page. <laughs> symbolism. Here we go. Okay. NFL rigged the season to make sure Taylor Swift was going to be the Super Bowl. Let me explain my theory. Her management company torched my YouTube account in 2017, and I've been bitter ever since. I released a symbolism analysis of her Look What You Made Me Do video, and it started trending in the first 24 hours, so they had YouTube shut it down probably because there were big plans for Taylor Swift in the coming years. In 2009, she did a humiliation ritual with Kanye West that put her on the map. I'm gonna let you finish, but Beyonce had one of the best videos of all time. She was subjected to this because that's how the industry ritualizes its celebrities because humiliation rituals allows them to transcend their old identities and transform into the goddess. They lose self-esteem from their old identity to make way for the new. In her subsequent videos, she demonstrated symbolism of ritualistic death and rebirth, which is another element of the ego death and transformation into the powerful goddess of Taylor Swift. We saw her take on multiple alter egos over the years, which again is about transformation or worse yet, possible dissociative identity disorders from MK Ultra type abuse. She literally tells us in Look What You Made Me Do that the old Taylor is dead. There was imagery of her in a bathtub, which is the symbolism of the cleansing ritual in Kabbalah for the passage of the goddess, like Whitney Houston and Bobby Christina, who died in bathtubs, as well as Kim Kardashian, who was put into the tub by the Illuminati and threatened. Plus, she's covered in Diamonds, which is symbolism of diamond programming. I can't even talk about what that means on social media. She would continue down the path of the occult at her era's concert. There are chants about her summoning the demons, which she co-opted by commenting on the fan video footage. She had 66 era's concert dates. That's the number of damaged gods in the Kabbalah Klippa. And then there's the Wicca pagan nature worship elements as well. That's why she had precisely 13 people on stage during the concert. That's the number of witches in a coven. Then we have all the theories of the NFL rigging games for the Chiefs to win. And why wouldn't they? The Times article for Taylor being the person of the year, wink wink, claims that Taylor's concert generates more revenue than the 2023 Super Bowl did. That's why they had the Chiefs Dolphins wildcard game only on Peacock because the Taylor Swift Travis Kelsey romance is the king of all media and these bloodthirsty corporations have got to get in on it. So of course they need her to be at the Super Bowl, the biggest ritual event that there is. That's why they had referee Sean Smith in place at the AFC Championship because he has a record of over penalizing the home team, which is the Baltimore Ravens. And look, nothing has changed over the years. Taylor is the most protected asset on the planet. That's why when the AI images of her went viral, Twitter shut down searches for it. That's right. Elon Musk, the Mr. Free Speech Company that lets white supremacists and anti-Semites speak freely, drew the line at obviously fake images of Taylor Swift. That's also why the White House immediately drew a legislation about deep fake imagery and defending Taylor Swift. Who on earth gets this kind of treatment? People who have a larger role to play. Subscribe to my channel. All right, David, uh-huh. let him have it. <laughs> Well, uh, first off, uh, at least one way to always get an audience to see 
your point of view is to set yourself up as a victim of a grand conspiracy right off the bat. They so, banned my video. Yeah, Ooh, right. I got, they, I got they banned from everything. Should I we know. play that more? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we should. We should play into that more. Kyle, you are a victim and you should embrace that. <laughs> um, that's, so note the subtle manipulation there. That doesn't mean he's wrong about any of this. It just means be careful uh, as you're going in. I think there's a tremendous amount of connections here that are factual, that are framed in such a way to tell a singular story as if, these are things are connected, but they're not. Uh, for example, the data regulation bill, I happen to know, was actually written years, you know, like more than a year ago. It just, uh, it's just that political actors brought it up at this time because they saw what he sees and what everyone saw, which was, was a great example to do so. The opportunity. Because, believe arose. it or not, Washington, D.C. is on the Internet. <laughs> what? <laughs> and they have PR people who are also on the Internet and looking for these opportunities to introduce things. Yeah. Um, the Patriot Act was written before 9-11. I was going to say, didn't you, we kind of cover this when we were talking about what was going on in Ireland about, um, yeah, oh, right. Like how these bills are written beforehand and it's mm-hmm. just kind of like an opportunity comes up for it to be front and center. Yeah. And it was, it was the same thing with uh, COVID in Australia. I was talking with an Australian that was telling me about how all these, uh, data, um, privacy and internet censorship laws got put into it, put in place in Australia, like right before COVID happened. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like a same thing. You, you kind of wait for the moment. Um, well, it was Obama's chief of staff, I believe, Rahm Emanuel, who coined the, the, the phrase, never let a good crisis go to waste. Yeah, so I think a, that's lot, sort of a the, lot of people have said that. Like yeah. Churchill said it. Like mm. uh, it goes, that's a long-standing. But Rahm Emanuel's kind of like popularized, popularized it, it in right. recent years. Right. Yeah. If you see a door open and a door closed, you take the open door. Rahm right. Emanuel, whose brother is a major investor in the UFC. Really? <laughs> It's all a conspiracy. Do, do, do. <laughs> um, so and the other part of that is thinking carefully about some of the sections that he brought up. Like, for example, you know, various different symbols. The question is, there's what's the unstated premise, right? So the stated premise is symbols exist. True. The unstated premise is a centralizing force is controlling her and in, in, in putting her into situations where she uses these symbols to mass program the, uh, the, the, the public into a certain political directive that's predestined or pre-designed, right? And that could be true or it could be a skyhook. So let me define what a skyhook is. Skyhook is a great example. You have an airplane pilot and he's, his engine's out and he needs to stay in the air and he's told he needs to stay in the air and he says... Well, I'm not equipped with a skyhook, right? There's nothing to pluck him out of the air. There's nothing above him. He can only go down. He can only on the ground. So what you do is you take a, you take a phenomena, like you find a watch on, on the shore, and it's designed, and you say, well, there's a design here, so therefore there must be a designer, right? It's an intuitive leap that you take there, right? But there's lots of things that are coincidences or are incentives that coalesce into a pattern that happens bottom up, that happens emergently, right? So symbols emerge from the human consciousness in all kinds of aspects of our life. Part of our brain selects those symbols and then tells a story about them. And that story is really satisfying, but it isn't necessarily true. Our brain isn't selecting for truth. It's selecting for interesting story. So what you want to be careful about is you're not drawn into a false, interesting story. Fair. I would say, though, to his point about there being a centralizing force around this, the degree to which... I'm open to, you know, debate over, but there's no doubting that Taylor Swift 
has people around her that are controlling her for the purposes of maximizing economic gain. She is, as he put it, an asset, right? She is a revenue generating entity that has tremendous commercial potential. And if she was really able to net the NFL 300 plus million dollars in additional revenue this year, that is a large economic incentive for actors to do what they can to push and pull her activities to get people to do what they want them to do. I mean, that is literally like her role as a pop star. Yeah. But the, the, the I think you can make that point without make, and, and that's the important like distinguishing factor, right? You can pull that out of there. And I think that's totally valid. But then you also have the other points he's making, which is that the Illuminati is conducting MK ultra experiments on her. And that's why she's in a bath. in one of her music videos, not because people take baths. Or she's in, she's covered in diamonds, not because people uh, like think diamond imagery is interesting, or that chicks like diamonds, and that's but, her but this, the symbolism there. But because it, it, the symbolism the there is thought through but, on when you're making music. Let me, videos, let me finish the point. But important. the diamonds are actually connected to an obscure part of MK Ultra conspiracy theories about the highest level of MK Ultra training called diamond level MK Ultra. Does that make sense? And then and then there's another manipulation, and I can't even talk about it on social media. Right. That's another good manipulation point. So I, just I be careful it. there. Man. But, so, but, but like the things he's talking about. So like there becomes a question of are these purposely meant to you as to be put as symbols forward to like manipulate the public or are they doing it for the artistic reference points yeah. that are being made? So what he was saying about the 13 witches in a coven, like that's real. That is like real symbolism. It is that is actually how that works. You know, it's it's a it, but like, are they using it as part of uh, a manipulation pull ploy, or was that just part of the artistic uh, framework that she was a part of, right. or both? You know, or or be. was one out with a broken ankle that week, and they had fourteen, but it actually turned out being thirteen. Well, she's yeah, but she's that, that very, wouldn't make sense from like the symbol. She's very symbolic much perspective. Like yeah. Thirteen, like thirteen's her like yeah brand basically. Like Th- wait, what? 13 like that's one the one of the names of her albums like that's her favorite number it's very public she's very public about it <laughs> we, 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 we gotta I'm get we gotta smiling. get Will, your boy wilson in I'm here both, for this yes we do i'm also smiling i didn't know uh bennett was a swifty <laughs> i'm not <laughs> bennett does his research i could not yeah. tell you what her well, album, well i'm her, all, all i'm saying bennett works for the intelligence community <laughs> yeah. so yeah. he knows these things she is my asset <laughs> You wish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're right. Yeah. <laughs> well, and th- there's oh, a, there's man. also an element of this stuff. And actually, I, we should maybe wait till the Mike Benz video for me to go into sure. this. Yeah. Or unless we want to go into that right now, that well, might be useful. That's fine. I, I think th- I think we're in an interesting pivot moment. In j- just hold off for that. Just one more minute here. What do we mean by conspiracy theory? What we mean could mean that there is a conspiracy of interest, right? She has the interest to make money. So she does things that make money. She's an artist. And so part of being an artist is to draw out of the subconscious and make it conscious, right? Is to operate on the horizon of the known and unknown and push the envelope of that, right? So how much of art is an individual and a group of individuals all doing that? And it has an expression. And then people come in after the fact and go post hoc ergo proctor hoc. <laughs> it creates it evokes this in me or has this connection to other things therefore they did that for that reason maybe they did maybe they did completely unconsciously maybe they did because they just want to be edgy and they think that makes the most money that is the that is that is just the error in thinking that isn't wrong to do it's not immoral it's not it's just it, it, it depends on what you're trying to do are you trying to make an interesting story or are you trying to like be accurate to the truth because there's going to be a median i think 
that draws that line, that is accurate to the truth, that does point to the power centers and manipulations being done by the powerful, but it doesn't suggest that what the story this guy is telling is true. Does that make sense? There's like a, there's either a sloppiness or like a quickness that you can kind of gloss over and then find yourself embracing a worldview that is unfactual or un, un, unbased in reality. At least unproven. Yes. Yes. It is worth stu- studying Alistair Crawley, though, in the, on the things that he's talking about. The occult, the English occultist, because a lot of the things he's basically pulling directly from Alistair Crawley um, there. And I, I don't want to dig too deep into that here, but there is interesting occult phenomenon that like people like there's books on these things where people do follow the symbolism um, on those. Not saying Taylor Swift is in that framework, but it's it, it's not out of the realm of possibility in my mind from that. Get that. So this is also being covered by the mainstream press. It blew up in the mainstream press as, "Could you believe the right wing thinks that Taylor Swift is a, a a tool of the CIA to plan the outcome of the election?" Yeah, and I'll just I'll just pull up a bunch of random articles just to showcase exactly that. One is from Politico. A Swift expert explains. Um, oh, they have those now. It was Bennett. MAGA world is about to meet Taylor Swift's fandom. It won't go well. Swift expert <laughs> on why political right is targeting a rich, okay, wh- a ri- what are a the rich qualifi- heteronormative pop star. I'm sorry, but just really quick, what are the qualifications to 10, be a Swift expert? Ten thousand hours uh, studying her. Isn't yeah, that, isn't you're that in that. You become an hours. expert. Like you're 10, in thousand hours. That's or right. Got that qualified on your um, Spotify. I, I do. I do find it. I do find it fun that uh, the Pentagon has to reject that taylor swift's an asset um <laughs> it's like that's a very interesting thing to reject <laughs> yeah there's the meme of bart saying like, that's a really interesting thing to say right? <laughs> i i, I want to make a clear so i actually got the a te- pentagon would not lie to you okay, i actually got a text message from a friend asking me like what i thought about this whole thing and he was asking like is the internet is the internet clarification of calling her an asset real or do you think that's like blown out of proportion and the, my response to him was I think the internet conflates the idea of an asset and an agent very often. An mm-hmm. asset doesn't necessarily have to know, even know that they're part of some manipulation process too. An agent is somebody that has like a direct formal working relationship. Right. Fair and, point. And cause like a lot of the things that I'm seeing on the internet is like, it starts to devolve into this, like Taylor Swift's basically working for the CIA. And I was like, eh, no, probably not. <laughs> but, but is, is she an asset? Like it could be used manip- in being manipulated and just following the incentives that are laid out in front of her mm. to go towards some end. Mm-hmm. Quite possibly. Fair point. What evidence do we have to suggest that she is an asset? Well, so the the one guy, the only guy on the internet that I find that is like on the right curve of this, like you, you have the, the mid curve meme, you have the left curve, like kind of the dumb people that are intuiting things, but there's actually probably some wisdom there. Then you have the mid curve that's trying to like over explain, blah, blah, blah. They're trying to the do Mark all this Cuban type of stuff. The Mark Cuban thing. Yeah. yeah. I use that as an example. Then the right curve is like the actually more like high IQ take on why she is actually probably an asset. And the only person that I've really seen giving good detail on that is a guy by the name of Mike Benz on Twitter. Um, Mike Benz, he uh, did a live stream where he listened to an old uh, thing from NATO in 2019. It's the NATO's CCDCOE, the Cooperative Cyber Defense Center of Excellence. Um, And they are essentially, uh, they do information sharing between NATO partners and members and do all things about like cybersecurity, cyber defense, information warfare, 
that's kind of their shtick. So this is from a conference at NATO and it is people here, contractors as part of the center of excellence, um, talking about the utilization of celebrities, uh, for the sake of encouraging people towards the West, manipulating populations, blah, 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 stuff like that. I just want to point out that this conference is called Psycon. Psycon, really? And the guy's got great hair, though. Just <laughs> Mike Benz, he's following the David Herb Sarah style. Probably the same club. <laughs> same club. Oh, ah, you guys are all assets for this club. <laughs> okay, so here. So the first one that's the most famous um, and the most um, most common is working with famous people um, or main influencers to share uh, information. Or particular is that Taylor aspect. Swift in the picture? So yeah. I include Taylor Swift in here because. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> they don't. Okay, calm down, sir. It's on the screen. Wow. Get a better microphone, please. Center of Excellence. The NATO Center of Excellence. In 2019, Taylor fucking Swift, who I probably rage posted about 1,400 times about as a geopolitical instrument of statecraft because her goddamn IP discography was purchased by the fucking Carlisle Group. The Carlisle Group. The private equity arm of the Iraq war with Dick Cheney on its board and, and the entire Halliburton Texas, Texas, West Texas oil mafia. They were the, they were the literal funders and profiteers of the, of the entire uh, West Texas military mafia and, and it was jointly bought by the Carlisle Group and the Soros Group. Who's the who's the who's the who's the London and New York financier class of West Texas? So the so the fucking military industrial complex, plus its energy stakeholders who rely on the battering ram of the Pentagon, the State Department, the CIA, bought Taylor Swift's discography. She had to re-record her own shit last year in order to win her right in order to have a parallel parallel tracks to, to, to win back her own rights. And of course, she was wheeled out for Biden in, in 2020 in the get out the vote. And what was it? Time. She won Time Magazine's Person of the Year this year. Uh, and um, and I think it was the Wall Street Journal that hypothesized that Taylor Swift would be Biden's, quote, secret weapon to win the 2024 election. Oh, and by the way, her Eras tour, which is the uh, has the economy of uh, of. I think one of, you know top twenty nation states by GDP in the entire globe. Her her tour. Um, it, Taylor Swift is is a cultural battering ram uh, to swing hearts and minds towards the West. Um, uh, and the fact that here in 2019 uh, she is it is her picture and she is the the first line of the NATO Psychological Operations Center's personal presentation for artificial sen- intelligence social media censorship techniques because they've worked with her in the past. Sorry if my mic is cracking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you should be Poor very man. sorry. This has been the most painful uh, thing to listen to of all time. So, something that might be worth reading on here. So they have a, and especially for the audio only listeners. Um, I'm so sorry to you guys. They have wow. a, um, I, I, I wanted to actually pull some other clips from him, but like a lot of the other clips, this is from a live stream. So it's all kind of like stream of consciousness here. He does a, he has a lot more content around this since this, cause this, this post here went viral millions of views. Um, this is what Jesse Waters stole on his Fox News thing when he was talking about it and he got a bunch of flack. He basically stole this and didn't really like 
didn't explain it properly or almost like, like you know uh, someone took a joke you made in a private chat and then put it on twitter <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to get into that joe no 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 we will no, not the no, time no, but, but we should return to that no but uh but uh <laughs> but yeah so like he goes into like far more detail in some other venues and he's been doing a bunch of interviews around this but on the screen here they have a picture of taylor swift and they have goal identify key actors to train and spread desired messaging example encourage opinion leaders to share counter io content um, risk opinion leaders may not want to share content or may accidentally share misleading content. So like they're, they're working through the logistics of actually having these celebrity assets uh, to be able to sway things towards certain messaging. So imagine for a moment, if you're NATO and you said, wow, Russia, we want to, we want to try to degrade the Russian military. So we're going to do all this stuff on their border to try to draw them into a fight. And then when they get into a fight, we got to make sure that the West is behind what we're doing. We got to make sure America, which is so flaky and has gone through 20 years of war in the Middle East, isn't going to forget about it. So here's what we're going to do. When it happens, we're going to have all these celebrities get on. They're going to say, stand with Ukraine. They're going to change their bios and they're going to do all these videos. We're going to do the video, you know, the video that you see every single time when they're, everyone's on the same page with some mono narrative where mm-hmm. they're like, each one says three words. They're like, yes, I will stand. And then someone else with Ukraine because we care about our community in the West and against mm-hmm. authoritarianism mm-hmm. and each a different person. You, everybody has a black square on Instagram. Right. Mm-hmm. And Good so thing. what this is saying is that is a technique that NATO is considering is using is saying is a thing that they could do and that he's saying is a thing they've done or are doing and we can use that sort of like elite leadership pressure to create an outcome so and i want to add so he talks about he talked about in here so there was the instance in um 2020 when Taylor Swift's whole discography got pur- purchased by the Soros Foundation and the Carlisle Group. And there was, a, there was another foundation that was involved in that as well. Um, why that's important is the Carlisle Group is the private equity arm of basically of the State Department. Um, they are Halliburton. They are the ones, when, when we're talking about weapons of mass destruction and babies and incubators, the lies that were put into uh, for us to go into Iraq and who's profiting behind those, all that comes back to the Carlisle Group, right? Mm. And the Soros Foundation is the color revolution. So George Soros is the color revolution arm of the State Department. What George Soros does is, one, he goes into countries and uh, starts these color revolutions, which is basically destabilizing the region so that we can like do our NATO stuff in there and install a West friendly dictator of some sort, everything we've done in Ukraine, everything we've been doing in Ukraine and how he makes his billions is shorting the currencies ahead of time with insider knowledge based off of what he knows is going to happen in those countries in a few years when he destabilizes their government, when he destabilizes, when he is a major player in the destabilization of that, he's in there, uh, influencing their celebrities to uh cause ref like to cause a um to cause rebellions and things like that right like that is a very george soros function <laughs> does george so, soros have a short on the u.s dollar at the moment i don't know i'd be interested to know george soros famously known for the man who broke the bank of Eng- england at the uh at that point in time he was the fastest person to make a million dollars like like in, in the rate of speed yeah. because mm-hmm. of how effective he was shorted. In, he shorted yeah. the, 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 the pound mm-hmm. yeah. at what point? Like, why was that? At w- what made the pound, uh, you know, subject to 
his influence in that way. I, I don't, this is a history that I used to know and it's been a long time since I've like, there's nitty gritty financial details that exist sure. there yeah. on that. Um, so I don't want to speak out of turn really. Maybe a rabbit hole. We don't need to go down. Yeah, but yeah, you can find it on Vestopedia. Yeah, like, but it's, it's, a it's, it's a known thing. It's phenomenon. not, a, it's not a conspiracy theory. It's not a thing. Like the Carlisle groups, uh, like connections to George Bush and to various different people in West Texas. He's, he's absolutely right about it. there's lots of connections. You can go back to like Michael Moore has connections that he made in his documentaries. And there's been a lot of the people who've documented the strange connections. And then if you look at like Halliburton, Carlisle group, there's a whole group of people who are a group of companies that benefited a lot from the war on terror and the reconstruction of Iraq uh, and Afghanistan. And this is where you get things like, Oh, the, the Pentagon lost a trillion dollars and things like that, that, we know we spent 10 like it will spend like a hundred million dollars on building a single like gas station in some place in iraq who benefited from that where'd the concrete come from who laid the concrete all that kind of stuff to make that happen that's that these are the people we're talking about yeah uh at least that's been the accusation at minimum at maximum there's a lot of good evidence to believe that there are substantial amounts of fraud and abuse in those relationships. Well, and here, sure. and here talking about the conspiracy. So this thing that Mike Benz was reacting to on his live stream was from 2019. The buying of Taylor Swift's like entire IP came in 2020, right? So you see the connection there that you could make. Yeah. Additionally, this is this is the time frame when the things like the Twitter files were coming into fruition, right? Is the response to 2016 that we saw the the growth of the censorship industrial complex. The fact that NATO, I mean, so, so, so since when does NATO talk about how to manipulate public opinion? They're a, they're a trade block. They're a Northern Alliance against the communists. Why are, why do they have a psychological operations unit? We should really be thinking about why NATO has, has a center for manipulating the public using the internet. Because if we don't, that means we're not really in charge. That means the government's not serving us. They're here to lead us. Take it easy, Mike Benz. <laughs> okay, so the other part of this, we have both identification, which is identifying elites on this graph. We also have segmentation, meaning you find groups of well-connected people who are already in a shared position and infiltrate it. Wild. Like a Telegram account. Mm -hmm. That you Then you say, hey, guys, let's go kidnap the governor. <laughs> wild all right so beyond partisan election outcomes which is kind of like where this theory is going on the internet what else what kind of like role does this serve well, well the, and, and that's the important thing because like, the question everybody wants to everybody is kind of painting it in this uh taylor swift is going to push biden over the edge and celebrity endorsements are dumb blah 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 but like in the same th in the same vein snoop dogg just endorsed donald trump and you and you understand donald trump's right. going to be playing that all over the place, yeah. right? But the bigger question here is the institutional side of this entire apparatus, right? Like right. like celebrity endorsements are a normal thing. It is that's what happens in politics. It's like, "Oh, great. So and so celebrity endorsed me. That's awesome. That's going to be great. I'm going to get the young vote, blah blah blah." But the actual institutional side of the, of having NATO here where you have heads of state in the EU and parliament out there like begging Taylor Swift to come and encourage the youth vote right now. Um, I, I have a bunch of articles here. Uh, where did I put yeah, New York times? Um, 
Inside well, Biden's anti-Trump battle plan and where Taylor Swift fits in from the New York Times. Yeah, well, this this just came out yesterday. Um, this New York Times article, just right as all this is happening. Interestingly, this Very this comes out. Hmm. Uh, but I pulled a screenshot of there because I I don't want to give them views. Um, <laughs> inside Biden's anti-Trump battle plan and where Taylor Swift fits in. Right, right. And then you have uh, Bloomberg. Uh, Taylor Swift maybe Biden's secret Trump card. MSN Taylor Swift to Joe Biden's secret weapon. Now the now the the way that they frame these is all like okay, single young women are trending more Democrat. Her influence amongst them really matters, and and she endorsed Biden last time in 2016 and made little Biden cookies. I don't know if you guys saw, I saw that the cookies. Picture. Yeah, they probably taste like cardboard. <laughs> um, they probably yeah. made by someone who works for her, maybe. To be honest. Yeah, yeah but what what I wanted to pull was also that this isn't just an American phenomenon. This is so I got Politico, I got Forbes, I got Time, hmm. all talking about within the last three weeks, basically, EU Parliament uh, folks, EU begging Taylor Swift to come get out the vote for the youth vote in the EU. Yep. Um, Can you imagine and, how much and, she charges her, for that? Her tours, are, her tours are just coming in right at the right time for all these <laughs> things, right? Like it's interesting. Um, EU uh, wants Taylor Swift's help mobilizing young voters for European Parliament uh, elections. And all of these articles are laced in the idea of we can't let the thing going on in Spain. We, we can't let the future of the youth go towards the new movement that's happening in Spain. We can't let this Italian chick continue doing what she's doing, right? Like that, that's what all of these things are laced in right now. I'm not sure I'm following what you mean. What's going on in Spain and who's the Italian chick? Uh, there's there's basically like we could say Javier Mille like protesting that's going on in Spain right now. And you have an Italian prime minister uh, woman who's become very close to like Elon Musk and is very much like a ma the ma the MAGA person of um, of Italy hmm. right now. And then you also have like the farmers protests going on in the Netherlands. Like there's all these movements popping up. Right. And but they're all very anti-establishment movements. They're going against the ESG programs that are stifling their economies. They're going against um, just the NATO figures all of that, like the establishment of Europe. Yeah. Uh, they're trying to pull Taylor Swift to try to get the youth vote to vote for those people and not for these new movements that are popping up all over the place. Right. Ah. They don't want more Brexits to happen. Got it. Right? Yeah. I got to stop the Brexit. So they're going to use Taylor Swift to do that. Yes. And she will be all over Europe starting May 9th in Paris for four nights and then Stockholm, Sweden, Portugal, France, the UK. You just, you're just Ireland. advertising her next tour. For all but this is EU this listeners. is her go day. see Taylor Swift <laughs> and, and get out the vote. And if you're young, get out the vote. Well, so and this is where it goes is there were studies done showing the Taylor Swift effect on her get out the vote efforts prior. Yeah. And it was something like the day after she did the the big announcement for Biden, it was like 30,000 new young people uh, registered to vote. And mm. then like in the weeks leading up after that, it was like this, it was this massive amount of people that came to vote. And then, you know, the data of politics, there's an expectation that young people are going to vote left. Right. Mm. Um, and, and they vote less frequently. So if you have someone that increases the likelihood of voting on young people, it's a huge benefit. For yeah. Be, but like who they're vote f voting for on average yeah. is probably going to be on the left wing side. Big yeah. question here, though. The question is if they vote. Are the migrants streaming over the southern border Swifties or are they not? Because if they are, I think it's over for Donald Trump. I don't Trump. think they're Swifties. I don't think so. But they, how do they vote? How often do they vote? That's a good question. 
can they vote? Will will they not legally be able to vote? <laughs> well, no, but of course not. I mean, but but if a state doesn't require a voter ID, uh, yeah, the question is whether or not you can get them out. That's the trick, right? That's that. Those are not easy things to do. If you can get a migrant out to vote, yeah, that's probably. I bet there's. I mean, if you were going to commit fraud in that way, it would be difficult. Um, probably possibly. easier ways to commit fraud than. than no, that. I don't know. I, I, I don't. It depends on the state. I know in Montana, it would be incredibly difficult. Hmm. The, the scale well, you have to, to show, get to scale. You have of, to show an ID to vote here, don't you? Yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And to register. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are our conclusions here? Taylor Swift totally an asset? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. Uh, and, I, and I think I think the likelihood that there are elite pressures for her to use her platform to benefit those elite institutions, of course. We shouldn't be surprised by that at all. Yeah. And it's completely unsurprising. The difficult thing, I think, um, at least, you know, I think a lot of people are going to be if you're a Swifty and you also listen to this podcast, I don't know how much those Venn diagrams go over. Probably not a lot. Is to Surprisingly what some, I think. Yeah, I think, I think Hannah's going to be upset at us. On this <laughs> one. Um, is, is, you know, just, just because she's, you know, has these influences doesn't mean it's a good, bad person thing, right? She's responding to monetary incentives, right? It's not that she's bad because these influences are on her. Right. We just need to get someone to infiltrate the Swift camp and turn her super based. Yeah. You know, right. we just need someone uh, to fight back. No, uh, right. I, 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 there was a... Bennett, get in there. <laughs> Our volunteer. <laughs> there, there, was, um, there was a clip of Bobby Lee on Rogan recently uh, talking about um, back a long time ago, how he was, him and just a bunch of celebrities were invited for a free trip out to Israel. And the only stipulation was that they just tweet about Israel every day. And he was just like, sure, I'll take it. <laughs> you know, like it was like one of those things. Yeah. Right. And then, and then he starts tweeting about Israel and he didn't realize was, he had no idea about the dynamics of like Israel, Palestine and all these things. And he's all of a sudden getting all these like you shill. And like, and he's just like, I'm just a dumb comedian smoking weed. Like, I don't, like, I, like, I don't know what's happening. And, and there, he was talking about on Rogan about like how dirty he felt about it afterwards. Um, but that's the type of thing here where celebrity endorsements, a lot of these celebrities, they're just following the incentives in front of them. It's not necessarily like they're on the payroll of like of the CIA or Mossad or something like the that. Illuminati. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> you in the bathtub, so to speak, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they that's what they call it now yeah, but, but like so like a lot of assets i feel you yeah. this is this is the thing about assets for the intelligence community is a lot of assets don't know their assets right. in fact that's the best way to do it right because it creates plausible deniability when they say no i'm not an asset and the pentagon says no they're not an asset then everyone can be like oh okay and take the lie detector test you know um additionally to that it, but there is an important question it's easier to look at, ooh, the Illuminati and then say this really boring agency of NATO, right? The agency of NATO is probably something that's actually limiting your freedom, right? That For is sure. really concerning and you can do something about it. But here's also the thing. George Soros, people like George Soros are not that agency, right? right? So like when people are talking, I think people are using Illuminati as this, uh, like it's like a focal point that they can use because it's like a way to digest something. And it's useful to be able to kind of bring it down because if you start going through all of these agencies and stuff like that, like the average person cannot comprehend all of these, like there's, there's too much to, there's yeah. too much to do. Right? right. So like when, when you talk about, there are 
very individual peoples and maybe like decentralized groups of peoples that maybe have different, there's different factions in this, but they're all trying to sway the world in certain directions towards certain ideological ends. Right. Mm -hmm. And you can call that the Illuminati. Like that might not be the real name, but those people do exist. Right. Right. But there's, there's, there's a couple different layers of revolution there, right? There's the, what you're saying, which I think is completely reasonable. You're saying like there's elites who are trying to manipulate the world to favor themselves and their beliefs and yes. their interests. And Illuminati and is a shortcut. And then there's, and, and, and you could say that, right? I think that's a really favorable way to look at it. And then there's people who think that there's a little group called the Illuminati. And then when celebrities go like this, and this is going to become a meme now, I'm a member now. Uh, you got to hail lobster hail shirt lobster. on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that that means you're actually a part of a real group that meets on Tuesdays, right? Or whatever. Does that make sense? So like there's different layouts and some of that can be a psyop, right? You want to distract the public with interesting stories that tickle their brain and get them not to think about the very mundane Aspen Institute that gets together with a bunch of journalists to say, here's what we're going to do if they put out a freaking Russian plant laptop of the president's son. Yeah. Like, they and, did that and, in like, 2019. like the Bilderberg group is a real thing, right? Right, right. But, but like, that's the, the, thing, the thing is, this this whole thing is like, it's like a decentralized web of like mafias and cults. Right. And, and individual actors that exist in there. And, you know, and there's like a cocktail party circuit and things like that. Like not everybody's necessarily on the same page. Different people have different layers to this on how involved they are. Different people are manipulating certain governments. Like governments are tools for the manipulation. Government's not the highest point of this. It's just a tool that can be used. Right. That is an important mental model shift too, for people to get, get their minds around. Right. Is that it would be easy. It's easy to look at the world and just have a strong conventional wisdom bias. Right. You just say, well, it's not what I was taught in eighth grade civics, so it doesn't exist. Yeah. This is how right? a bill becomes a law. But, but yeah, right. <laughs> there, <laughs> there's a, there's a, like, I, well, I wouldn't join a weird cult of dudes who meet in a forest in California and pray to a strange pagan God. So now you totally would, man. Like if you had the opportunity, you would. <laughs> therefore, the Bohemian Grove can't actually be an influence on, on, on contemporary politics, right? Kyle, I sent you a video on Discord. Uh, I, we need to play this. It's perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. It's from a show that was one of my favorites called The Whitest Kids You Know. And this this came back up in the popular Sorry. discourse around. Discord is installing updates. <laughs> really? Oh, man. <laughs> I only use this laptop for this show. <laughs> so. Wow. Well, uh, this video is, is hilarious, and the the sad reality of it is that uh, the guy, um, the main guy of this this comedy crew, uh, Trevor Moore, actually committed suicide, quote unquote, but was very aware of and sort of um, speaking directly about the clandestine forces and powers that kind of do a lot of that kind of manipulating in Hollywood. Are we going to um, get a fair use track on this? Maybe, but you know what we'll do after this is just play that Pfizer ad again. And I think we'll probably, they'll probably it'll, it'll, all, it'll shake Co- out. Comedy Central's cool with that. Yeah, they're they're so. down with the Pfizer. I think they're down. Okay. Trevor, we really liked the last album. Oh, I mean, we really, really liked it. We loved it. And have decided to give you a TV special to go along with the next one, huh? How does that make you feel? That's great. I'm so excited. Oh, so are we. So are we. We are so excited. Now, there's just a couple little uh, official things we have to get out of the way. Okay. Since we're an international media company, uh, you're going to have to meet with the higher-ups and go over some stuff. Is that all right? Sure. Great. Well, then, uh, why don't you just show him down the hall? Yeah, no problem. Trevor, follow me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's walking into a 
room with curtains and then eight five robed figures. This is a cool office. Bird mask. It's, it's a like very like Satanist yeah. temple type of vibe. <laughs> Candles. Hi, we're the, oh. Hi, we're the Illuminati. Hi. <laughs> Hello. Hi. So we heard about your big special. <laughs> we are very excited. Yeah, thanks. Me too. Yeah, but before you can do a special on a major cable network, we're going to need you to sign some things. Okay, sounds good. Uh, we're also going to need you to swear a blood oath to us and our cause. And if you violate this oath, we're going to murder you and everyone that you love. Got it. Great. You'll also ritual. need yes. to pledge your soul to Baphomet. He's this <laughs> god that we all worship. Mm-hmm. Okay. He looks pretty cool. He's like a <laughs> crazy goat man kind of thing. <laughs> now, we will need you to include some of our messaging in your program. Oh, okay. So you mean like there's going to be a commercial sponsor or something? No, 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 no. Not th- nothing Pfizer. tacky like that. No. We just want you to have some, you know, self-destructive themes. You know, like we use a lot of hip-hop artists to glorify violence and drugs, uh, pop stars to push materialism, country acts to instill suspicion of education. Oh, okay. That sounds cool. <laughs> we'll also need to film you in a lewd act with a minor. Jeffrey Epstein. uses blackmail if you ever mm-hmm. think of telling anyone about anything that happened here today. Now, could I self-tape that, or is that something that you want me to shoot here? <laughs> We'd like you to do that here. Yeah. Well, finally, we're going to need a suicide note in your own handwriting, just in case things get crazy. <laughs> I actually might have an old one on me. <laughs> and the really sick part is that... Oh, God, yeah. He, dark, I dark think he was suicided. That's just my, my personal wow. view, but... Wow. Anyway, yeah. so to put a little humorous spin on the exactly. Illuminati conversation. So like, is that a real conversation that happens? Like that sort of thing. And th- there's people who actually believe that as like a religious model to fit the world that they think is uh, is a is a pattern. That's that's helpful. That doesn't mean that the that the other things that their connection aren't real, right? So like the fact that there is occult forces that are that people are really into the Podesta stuff. Right. Uh, what was it called? Spirit spirit meals? Spirit uh, spirit cooking. Spirit cooking. What? You guys which is, which is a cooking? very Alistair Crowley thing. Oh, as well. Google it. We got to show them. We gotta no, show them. I'm not showing that on video. Wait, wait, <laughs> they, have all kinds of, they have all kinds of stuff that you can not, that aren't that bad. Uh, Maybe we'll just put a link to it. Cooking. But it's like, there's, there's all these things that kind of emulate cannibalism and eating people, but you're actually eating food off people who are like acting like corpses or are like uh, symbols for corpses um and ever different kind of drinking of thermal and blood um and other things that are <laughs> just casual shit you know just Dude, I mean, it's, <laughs> from, from from the new york intelligencer got, uh there's an article that's like spirit cooking explained satanic ritual or just a fun dinner <laughs> <laughs> exactly the point right so there's like a normalcy bias thing that they play into but then you also gotta be careful not to get caught into the into the the, the brain tickle <laughs> is, is that is that like the dessert of spirit cooking is the yeah. brain tickle well, or no no it's like the uh the uh, you you think that this is that all politicians are doing spirit cooking when it's actually well well we know that john podesta did it and he's got weird things about in his emails to the clintons about it and pedophilia and and, and, and you look at the art in his house just google that john podesta is replacing john Kerry as the climate czar not going anywhere despite crazy things like his emails spirit cooking these things where all the democrats and all the people around be like oh yeah we could totally appoint Um, that guy to another role what's what's the what's the rag uh media matters yeah media matters was started in his office really yeah well when he was working for uh hillary clinton imagine the senate yeah Yeah. Imagine. so this exactly the sort of like it doesn't mean so just be careful of like you have to be 
you have to be careful of your own brain's propensity to self-deceive while being open to and, and trying to work around conventional wisdom traps, right? That just say, well, it's too hard for me to conceptualize a world where this is real, so I'm just going to ignore it, mm-hmm. right, and turn my brain off. Yeah. Um, and then, and then lastly, one of the things, um, beware of post hoc ergo proctor hoc, right? And then following the money, nerd, right? <laughs> following the money. Ah, what are you gonna do? I don't have one for that. If on the money is a one-legged stool, right? So just because. Taylor Swift benefits and so does the EU doesn't mean the EU is paying Taylor Swift or forced her to do it. Right. So, so like just the fact that these two things are happening simultaneously is a motive, but it's not means material or other sorts of evidence that you would require to actually make a good, but it also doesn't mean it's not true. Exactly. Right. Like that, that's the, cause I I just want to be very clear on that. Cause every time you kind of try try to over explain this, it, it often makes it sound like you're just like, you kind of have a there, there's like a tinge where I feel like somebody could think be like oh David just doesn't believe it could possibly be true exactly and I, I just want to be clear like we have very clear NATO psychological operation right. stuff that exists here like there's 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 a there there right remember now. the mental model I was talking about and this was some time ago that was like you it's easy to get too much truth values either on or off and I don't think that's actually a very good model it should be how tightly do you firmly do you believe something like how how much how close do you hold it how far away how loosely do you grasp it Mm -hmm. and so i'm saying like this is one of the things that you can be able to grab onto but i wouldn't hold it so tightly right and be careful not to overcommit in this sort of thing and into your brain tickles into the things that are satisfying to believe because they make uh, you know complex things simple uh but also being open to the fact that you know these are real things there are real factual things that happen in here in elite circles well and also just like link all these things together and and start to see pattern recognition that exists where we do have the psychological operation stuff that seems pretty clear there's talks around this stuff right we also have jeffrey epstein with like uh paintings of bill clinton in monica Lewinsky's dress right mm-hmm. we have those types of blackmail schemes we have everything that we just talked about john podesta like there is something to this stuff it's it's just how the actual shape takes place, that's where the debate lies. And some people may be going overboard with with their wild speculations. Some people may be going maybe undertuning their speculations mm-hmm. on this. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of things that at this current state in, in time, there is speculation. And it's okay to speculate. Yeah, yeah <laughs> right? it's not a crime. Additionally, that if you don't, you are intent if you fall into the conventional wisdom trap, you are making yourself a slave to people who are willing to conspire. Mm. Right, you're you're intentionally disarming yourself. Wild. That's the reality of careful thought about the world we live in. Mm-hmm. And the only like circling on this, the only reason we have this is because of the internet. The only reason we have this opportunity to pull these things apart is because we have the access to information that we do. Yeah. So be aware. Important. All right. All right. Well, I think we pretty thoroughly went through that topic. Um, hopefully, everyone knows now definitively conclusively that taylor swift is a cia asset (laughs) (laughs) the real the real question is is she an agent or not really i I think is she in on it or is she just a useful pawn does she work at langley does (laughs) (laughs) haven't seen her haven't seen her around the office okay well (laughs) well different department different department (laughs) it's a big building she's probably on a higher floor than you no offense but (laughs) anyway she's probably a remote worker really (laughs) That's true. That's true. I mean, she's a more of a West Coast gal, right? <laughs> yeah. If you are a small business owner looking for exponential growth, you have to connect with Adam Thune at Intellectual Patriots. He will revolutionize your business game and help you get to the next level. Adam can streamline your business practices and advertising strategies to improve your bottom line. 
His expertise in data engineering means he can build you the systems you need to collect and analyze market data. His mission is to provide you with invaluable insights to fuel your success. From grant writing and business proposals to digital systems integrations, even AI management, Intellectual Patriots is a one-stop shop for cutting-edge solutions. Don't wait another second. Visit intelpatriots.com to learn more. That's I-N-T-E-L patriots.com. Uh, okay, so we had some developments happen in the Middle East this last week. What what went down, David? So, real tragic story. It's a, it's a hard narrative shift from laughing about the Illuminati to the uh, tragedy that is unfolding in the Middle East as three soldiers, U.S. soldiers, were killed in an attack by militias in the Middle East. These were folks that were uh, stationed in Jordan. Uh, 30 people were also injured. And uh, this was a small outpost in Jordan that's kind of near the border with Syria. Uh, Of course, the reaction from all the usual actors, Lindsey Graham came out with uh, hit Iran now, hit them hard. Um, No one's surprised, but uh, obviously, you know, we had good pushback on that, uh, hopefully. But then we had this clip from uh, Senator Mike, or uh, I always get that guy's first name. Uh, last name's Mullen. Looks like Mark Wayne. Uh, yeah, but uh, he's yeah he he him commenting on the on the thing on uh, CNBC. The only thing Iranians understand is strength, and and by trying to think that you don't want to escalate it, plays right into their as I would say their propaganda. When you when you when you just look the other way. They use that as a messaging to the people saying, see, they're afraid of us. This is why we have strength. And it empowers them. When you go after them, they will stop. But but the question is, go after who? Are you suggesting direct strikes on the Iranians who are saying that they are not directly involved with this? Are you saying take out every one of these rebel groups where you know the drones are coming from, where you know the missiles are? Two, you got you got to go both ways. One, you go directly with action, direct action at the individuals that's attacking you. And then two, you go directly at Iranians and put the sanctions back in place and pull the money that you gave Qatar back out of the banks. But you're not talking about directly attacking. You're if they continue, you do financial sanctions. First. I think you go after financial sanctions first. If it doesn't stop, then you got to go directly at them. You cannot kill the snake if you don't cut the head of it off. So Isn't that the guy who tried to fight someone and yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. That's the same guy. I'm glad you recognize. I forgot to mention I, that. I, that. Okay, that's what I was like. This guy looks familiar. Okay, yeah. That's I right. knew he was an idiot. God. Yeah. yeah. So anytime someone says, and I just want to point this out, the only thing they understand is violence. You're about to be manipulated. Oh, they're about to be told someone is subhuman. You're about to be told that someone can't be reasoned with, and that's why we have to go to war. Mm-hmm. This is war propaganda. That's what it is, right? If, if you like, you're no longer, you're saying like, they don't respond to incentives, but sanctions work. What? Right? They, they don't, they don't respond to reason, but they do respond to incentives. What is reason? What are incentives? If not, you know, connected phenomena of, you know, where if something isn't working for me, I do check it, you know, check a different path. And the whole point of incentive is to force them down one path, mm-hmm. but I can't talk to them. You can't, you can't actually, you know, whatever. You can't actually believe them, right? You, the only thing they understand is force. Classic example. And then lastly, we got Nikki Haley uh, responding. Yeah. Now, to now, the that, now that Vivek, our, our favorite Yikes. girl, now that Vivek's out, we're now team Nikki, right? Guys? Wait, 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 is before we start, doing? before we start. Yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> Joe, how she look? <laughs> well, she's got a garden growing. On <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It looks like something she stole out of my grandmother's wardrobe. 
with the thing here. Her makeup the, looks good though, but uh, yeah, she it's kind of like a what is old lady it? jacket. It's a flower. It's a some kind of flower. It's or, multiple. Is that I'm trying to tell what's going on underneath? It looks like maybe like a screen grab from like Winnie the Pooh. Is that Piglet's <laughs> Piglet's ears there? <laughs> what's going on? Uh, what is? I have I just have to do this now. Uh, you guys have it's, it's where we're really at. pigeonholed it's, me into it's being what, this fashion critic. It's what keeps critic. the ladies listening. Our is Taylor it? Swift commentary and your and uh, my your fashion, fashion takes. takes. We, we just we got to get them rage posting, you know, against uh, you on this. It really really and, juices the algorithm. And about Barbie in the Oscars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. All right, so yeah, here's Nikki Haley. I mean, a series of attacks. This is 160 strikes. I mean, as a military spouse, this is what we fear when our loved ones are overseas. If you're not taking care of them, that something like this happens. This is not about hitting Iran hard. This is about hitting Iran smart. It's making sure I don't know what Biden is waiting on. He has got to strengthen those sanctions. When he loosened them, he allowed billions of dollars from China to go into Iran when they imported oil. You've got to take away the money from Iran because that takes away the money from the proxies. That's the first thing they need to do. The second thing they need to do is to go and take out any of the production sites that are allowing them to do this in Iraq and Syria that they're coming from. And then the third thing is you have to figure out which Iranian leaders are making the decision decisions and you take them out. This isn't about hitting Iran. This is about being strategic and smart about what you do take out. When you do that, you're taking away their capabilities of hurting more American soldiers. Yeah, that's Nikki. <laughs> Joe Biden has been appeasing Iran for too long. Dictators and thugs only respond to strength. They only respond to strength. Fuck. She has a chance at being the next president. No, no. <laughs> the, the the question the it's question for her bro. is is does the symbol stay alive because she's like the last vestige of a symbol for the neocon wing of the Republican Party and to me it's like can you destroy that symbol or like and because we're at a real shot where that that entire vestige of the Republican Party can be completely annihilated the old right rises again or, or is she going to be the rebellion against against the evil orange man and and she sticks around you know like so you got to like destroy the symbol of her yeah. of not of her that she represents sure yeah, right? well and Lindsey Graham is obviously part and parcel of that that group right the neocon group but I mean you think Nikki Haley dies, she, you know, figuratively speaking, of course. Nikki Haley doesn't win the presidency, and then that whole conservative, quote-unquote, ideology, the neoconservative ideology, goes away. It just, it's no longer a factor. I don't think it that that's... It just goes to the Democrats, right? It just lives there now. But right? you did during the Trump era. Like, you had all these... You had the Bill Crystals of the world going in and supporting the left. You had that whole moderate Republican movement, the Lincoln Project, all right. that. They went and start, started supporting the left. Because they're just following wherever the war goes right what's and weird what's weird about our time is how separated the blob is from everything else and how the bipartisanshipness of the military industrial complex is so obvious now because there's a part of the party that's mainstream the trump wing that is hostile to it while not being as hostile as it could be it's not it's not dave DeCamp or scott horton hostile to it but it's less it's more skeptical and more america first than anything's been for a very long time yeah like the rhetoric of the maga folks is 
why are we doing stuff over there when like everything's crumbling here? And that's right. a good that's a good narrative and, rhetoric. And, and, and they I might think. be more pro peace than Trump himself, yeah. right? But they are still it's it the throughput of that philosophy has tremendous policy implications that are the For sometimes decades. yeah the the pol the philosophy is always ahead of the policy, right? The underlying value system comes first, and then the policy reconciles itself. As people say, like wait a minute, like what's, what do I actually believe about Iraq? Because I oppose the Iraq war, but we're currently in Jordan bombing things in Iraq. I wanted to get out of Iraq. Why are we in Jordan? Like yeah. those sorts of questions. And then you look at the Southern border and you're like, why are we protecting the border of Jordan? You know, like things like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the part that was very obviously missing from anything that Nikki Haley just said was the other way to deter Iran from, from harming us servicemen and women is to get us servicemen and women out of the middle east right that's and that's that was really the the pushback was like these troops are sitting ducks yeah uh in a new era of warfare right and what we really have is an interesting moment in warfare not to take something tragic and terrible like three service members losing their lives but it is it is like a, a watershed moment uh that with the houthis right the the fact that a very small group of people who are very battle hardened from very long war against the saudis that we covered a little while ago could cause so much economic disruption with such simple weaponry and tools. You got rubber boats taking over giant boats. Um, you have uh, a $15, maybe $60 drone with a homemade bomb strapped to it and flown into a camp. And we're flying million dollar drones, like multi-million dollar drones, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then the response, Talk like if you do Nikki Haley's response is to take a, yeah, hundreds of millions of dollars of Hellfire missiles and responding. Yeah. Right. The economics of that don't play out. And then once you do that, you just created a whole bunch more terrorists who are then going to go on, buy drones off of more you know, $60 drones <laughs> and then fly them in. So like her own response is to do the thing that we've been doing for the last 50 years as if that is going to change anything. It's the definition of insanity. And the, the funny thing is she literally says, and yeah, the other guy did that too. Um, <laughs> this is a bipartisan phenomenon too. You could really tell because they're using the same language, right? They can't be reasonable. So we have to respond with force and don't think about it too much because this is a tragedy. And did you know I'm a military spouse? But it's really sad. So therefore we should respond with force and we should do the thing that we've been doing this entire time. Return to the same policy we've had forever. Isolate Iran, put sanction on them. I don't attack them directly, but attack all their proxy forces. Meanwhile, who actually did the attack? Who did do the, the attack? <laughs> Nobody knows. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> Nobody knows. This is the crazy thing. There's just like Shiite militias. Okay, so here's how it goes. Here's how it goes. All right, Bennett. Bennett. Who... You're my, you're our, you're a normie. I'm sorry I screened, buddy. That was great. No, it that was just, so it frustrating. Just made me think of like the gingerbread man from Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows. <laughs> Not the gumdrop buttons. <laughs> so that the 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 interest of like the actual tool, right, and the response that's a sovereign individual effect, right? Technology has created the situation where small individuals can hold entire nation states hostage. Yeah. Yeah. And, right. and to, to go clear on that, the very first chapter of the sovereign individual is talking about this. Is, this was written in 96. So it's before the, the towers went down. He, they're, they're talking about how bin Laden is rising to be this person that the nations of the world have to contend with. Right. Mm-hmm. This is just, written five years before 9-11. Right. The only serious competitor to nation states prior to the creation of the internet information systems now what we look like ai robotics things like that were other nation states 
now small groups and individuals can. And that's that's the really disturbing, strange thing that we're not grappling with that's kind of sitting underneath the, the, the surface. Yeah, a small world. group of hackers cause a lot of damage, right. right? It's very easy just because of the technological shift and the governments have not kept up with it really. Like mm. they're not, they, they don't have the framework for to be able to defend against the uh, these like small little groups. That's the anymore. argument. So the, and then, and then the bad logic of violence around that and how that cr- it creates uh, other incentives. So anyways, you were asking about like who did it. Yeah. And then I screamed. Sorry. <laughs> um, Nobody knows. Apparently. Well, no one knows. So, so, uh, so there's this connection. So, okay. This is why I was going to ask Bennett. <laughs> Bennett. Yes. Who was in charge of Iraq before we toppled the government? I don't know. <laughs> Saddam, Saddam Hussein. Saddam Hussein. <laughs> Which faction of, <laughs> of Islam did he belong to? That I actually don't know. Sunni. He was a Sunni minority in a Shiite majority area, right? So he was, we, we potentially, you know, he was kind of put in charge uh, because he could then, he had a separate incentive from the other dictator, the Shah in, uh, in Iran. Uh, and then they, the Iran collapsed and became, you know, became a, uh, the Islamic Republic um, with a revolution. And then we went to, we used Iran, uh, Iraq to go to war with Iran, right? The Sunni majority fighting the Shiite, right? Using his Shiite majority population in Iraq. Oh. Right? Mm. So he was a minority controlling a majority of uh, the majority religion in that country. So the majorities of the militias in Iraq are Shiites. So when we're attacked by Shiite militias, guess who those people are? The very people that we trained with our military when we controlled Iraq to fight Sunni militias mm-hmm. who were the vestiges of the Ba'athist party who are uh, the guys who are kind of on that side. Additionally, they were also fighting Iraq-funded Shiite militias, right? Shiite faction groups, terror groups, stuff like that. So not all of these guys were people that we trained, but some of them are. And we don't know. I mean, and, and one of the things the New York Times actually said, what is the material evidence for this being Iran that did this? And they said, we don't have that. It's, and it's, we have we have the New York Times article if you want to bring it up. Yeah, it's, 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 it's so also crazy just a, to watch this when you see all these people advocating for it. It's also just a useful kind of mental model to just suspect that uh, whoever we're funding, we're probably going to start fighting in like five years. Yeah, it's five another. Years, yes, right? exactly. Yeah, it's a classic. Um, the, the the Smith the Dave Smith thesis maybe yeah. you call it yeah because that's his intro right, <laughs> right, right. Um, I don't I'm not seeing the oh New it's York, under CNN there of, there this, yeah, and see. then okay so the war propaganda here <clears throat> CNN officials officials said the drone so this was reported first the officials said the drone was fired by Iran backed militias and appeared to come from Syria it is still being determined which militia group specifically was responsible end quote next day asked by the New York Times and the New York says New York Times says, but it is not yet clear who exactly Mr. Biden aims to deter. American intelligence officials say that while Iran provides weapons, funding, and sometimes intelligence to its proxy groups, there is no evidence that it calls the shots, meaning it may not have known in advance about the attacks in Jordan. So we're about to go to war with Iran or just put on sanctions again and attack their proxy groups or attack random Shiite groups across Iraq and Syria based upon just the skepticism or just the connection that because Iran funds some of these groups or gives them weapons or whatever, that therefore they ordered this attack. Yeah. And uh, under here, do we want to play this video here? Um, Cause this is just the Pentagon straight up saying that they have no evidence. Just to follow up, you said Iran was behind the attack. What does that mean? Have you seen evidence of 
financing or directing anything specific to this attack, not just generally, but specifically? Uh, so maybe I need to clarify further um, from what Lita had mentioned. We know that Iran funds these groups, like Kitab Hezbollah. We know that these IRGC-backed militias are the ones responsible for attacks on our troops in Iraq and Syria. Uh, beyond that, we're we're doing an intelligence assessment. We don't have, I, don't, I can't give you today that attack thinking it to Iran. We just know that Iran funds these groups like Qatab Hezbollah and other groups that have attacked our forces, but I don't have more to share on as a general matter. Yes. So another way to say that we, okay. So yeah, what she said was we know that Iran funds groups like this sometimes. (laughs) That's what what she said. Well, and that's part of the, the sovereign individual problem here is it could have been from a group. It could have been from a terrorist cell. It could have been a terrorist cell inside a group. It could have been just some crazy guy. But you do have 160 attacks, right? Why are those attacks happening now? Is the question that no one seems to want to answer. What is their motive? What are we doing here? Why are we there in the first place? Hate us for our freedom, Dave. Hate us for our freedom. (laughs) I don't know if you... Did you miss that over the last two decades? (laughs) Yeah. It's pretty clear. (laughs) Been teaching us that since 2001. Yeah. And and if you want to get online, like the didn't we train these dudes type stuff, Joe Kent was on with Tucker this week. It has an excellent interview. I I highly recommend it. Yeah, it was Joe Kent's an amazing um, person to talk about on this stuff. Yeah. Tucker's just been crushing it lately. He's been, he's had so many good interviews lately. We should have him on the show. (laughs) You know, we're working on it. (laughs) (laughs) I I know a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy. Yeah. (laughs) I actually don't, but it's fine. Okay. So, uh, are we going to go to war with Iran then? Is that going to happen? Well, it looks like, so part of it's rhetoric, right? You want to you want to look tough to voters. It is election year, so you say we're going to go all over that, and then you're probably going to fall short of that because a lot of people don't want that. But that said, Biden is not ruled out, very specifically and publicly, not ruled out direct tax within Iran. It, does that help him in an election year? Yeah. Okay. So this is a great one. Uh, oh, there's a couple here. Seymour Hirsch wrote a really great article about the unified theory of presidents going to war during re-election, how often it happens. And there is an interesting pattern that happens a lot, especially mid-year election years for presidents to find themselves in a conflict at a convenient time. Um, so something to consider. They, right? they get to demonstrate their leadership qualities and, you know, unify the country around this, right. you know, Actually, common goal against a, you know, an enemy and all that sort of stuff. And there's also a new book from a political scientist, Andrew Payne, called War on the Ballot, How the Election Cycle Shapes Presidential Decision-Making in War. I haven't read it yet. It's on the list. Uh, But it could be very interesting. So one of the arguments is that there's a perverse incentive for presidents to go to war on election years. Are we going to get to see... In fact, many leftists predict that Trump would start a war in 2016. But he didn't. He did did the opposite, right? He tried to pull out, right, Um, of Syria. He did. I think the bigger question, though. I said pull out, and now you're just. I, it, I was like, do I have a button do for that? Yes, I you don't. do. I don't. You do. do I? I want to know. <laughs> no, no. Come no. uh, on. No, 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 no. It went too good. This is why I need It would have been okay. Deck. It would have been okay. You give me the stream deck. You know what? Everybody <laughs> should just get a turn with the stream deck to know exactly how hard <laughs> no, it is. No, I get you, man. Like, uh, there's a lot of buttons on that thing. <laughs> there's too many buttons. <laughs> there's too many buttons, and you got to go through like pages I to get, create, be able to get to things. I can create millions yeah. of buttons. It's too much. <laughs> The bigger question that I have is, are we going to get to see Taylor Swift do a show on a battleship? <laughs> yeah. On an aircraft carrier. Way to get the, uh, get the tr- true morale yeah. on there. Uh-huh. Oh, for sure. Uh-huh. Yep. 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 yep, yep. Maybe. Uh, what? Uh, 
I, I wonder what I was actually just trying to see if there was any polling on this. I wonder what a just, just general American sentiment is on Iran right now. Like how useful is the rhetoric from Nikki Haley and uh, and what's his name? Uh, Graham, Lindsey Graham. Like how useful is that rhetoric and actually like stirring people? Do, do people have any appetite for this right Another now? Middle Eastern conflict. Yeah. Like with <laughs> Iran, which and, and the thing about Iran is it's not Afghanistan. Like, Iran is way more defensible. It, it, like this, it would cause a lot more problems mm-hmm. for us, just geographically speaking, than any of these other Middle Eastern conflicts would cause. Like it's very easy for us to just roll through with like Humvees and uh, in these in the places a little bit more west to it. But Iran is like deep mountains terrain that we don't fully you know grapple with the anti-air in the mountains, like all this stuff. It, it's much more difficult of a task than the other things were right. And it's not, it's not Iraq, right? Mm -hmm. It's a very different country. Um, we have, we've been hardening them for over 50 years, right? So it's not like they're going to be surprised, you know, if we go in, right. It's going to be like a very long signal to, to shelter, to turtle, to create your, make it as hard as possible to invade. My my understanding Um, is they have really good anti-air technology too. And that could could be it, it, which, which is kind of our thing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, except for some of those planes that just don't seem to work. (laughs) (laughs) True. Raptor. The one we lost. (laughs) Well, we don't have to usually worry about rain in Iran. (laughs) That's true. That's true. (laughs) Less moisture over there. That's, that is a good thing. Like, I, I, I wonder what the American sentiment is on this, uh, as things like this happen. Cause like, obviously the MAGA movement was kind of, was not on board with the, uh, with the Ukraine stuff. There's a lot more on board with the, uh, Israel stuff. I wonder what the just deeper into the Middle and a, East. And there's a lot goes, of fear right? about Iran that's been built up a very yeah. long period of time. Um, it's a strange component of that because we don't apply the same amount of fear when it comes to Saudi Arabia, despite them also being a religious dictatorship as well. I don't. I mean, you have a you have a guy who's so influential, like Tucker Carlson, retweeting Lindsey Graham's tweet about hitting Iran hard. You know, so calling him an absolute lunatic, lunatic. Yeah, and it's just right. like that's that's pretty telling because a lot of people are in that camp where it's like you got to be freaking kidding me like this guy is just an absolute like he's insane he's you can see the like murder in his eye like how much he wants this war how much it's disturbing so 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 much of this is all interrelated and correlated right so obama trying to cut a nuclear deal with iran to bring in sanctions particularly and like to loosen up on their regime will, will let them back into the world economy in exchange for more inspections than they otherwise had, right? Yeah. Um, was taken off the table by Trump once he came in, right? That set our relationship back with Iran, of course. It was already damaged. It was already terrible. We're already at loggerheads since we overthrew the government. So, like, we're, we're at the starting point, and even in that point of that little time slice that is completely at odds. If you look at that compared to other dictatorships that we were at odds with at one point, at one point we said, no, Mao, China, all this is illegal. The real government is in Taiwan, all that kind of stuff. That was the U.S. State Department's you know, actual position up until Nixon goes there and says, hey, we don't have to be enemies forever. Let's create peace, right? Could you do that, Iran? I don't know. You couldn't do that while still, still supporting Israel because Israel and Iran hate each other and you know, no, they exactly. only understand force. Yeah, right. <laughs> quite true. Right, but could Big you get stick. them somewhere in between? Can you buy them off? Like all those sorts of things. Yeah. There's, there's like, there different schools of thought can disagree with that reasonably and have, you know, have debates, right? But we don't even do all that. We don't say that all they can, all they do is they know force. Well, I mean, 
one thing they surely understand is like that they're completely surrounded by us and western allies like bases all over the middle east so yes. if they only understand force what they surely understand right now is that they are under threat and they have been well, like you said for decades and, and those forces those western forces are allied with their two biggest enemies israel and saudi arabia but they're enemies on different levels of resolution right israel from a, like a very different like house of Uma, like like if religious house of islam and then within islam the sunnis who are the ones who are claiming that they're the real islam based out of Saudi Arabia. Well, and a, a lot of the things going on in Yemen right now are direct results of Obama trying to placate the Saudis because of the Iran nuclear deal, because the Saudis were not happy with Obama making that deal with Iran to try to, you know, like, it's like th these are very tangled webs of diplomacy that exist right now. Right. So um, how to untangle, how to get out of that? Well, to me, it's like you have to deal with the root cause and you have to think about that. So one of the things that you have to check out, um, Dying to Win, The suicide, the Logic of Suicide terror, Terrorism by uh, Robert Pape. Pape yeah. um, that book and his, you can find a lot of great um, uh, lessons and discussions and speeches by Robert Pape explaining his findings by analyzing all these notes of suicide terrorists. Suicide terrorism is another example of uh, the sovereign individual thesis where you take low technology individuals, you know, trying to hold a overwhelming foreign power to account using the only tools they have, like their life, right? Um, the the really crazy thing that the step that we've gotten to is you don't even have to sacrifice yourself now. You can sacrifice a robot, right? Right. right. And then once nation states get into that robot warfare game, even more so after the drone wars were there, but we're getting there on the ground maybe here soon, like robot army dogs and stuff like that. Yeah, mm -hmm. well, and, and for the most part, it's been kind of robot v. humans yeah. now in recent decades, like especially the last decade. But now, like we were saying, where there's like $60 drones that are being made by terrorists and whatnot. Right. So now it is becoming much more robot v. robot. And, and additionally, that this was one of the selling points of the military industrial complex for getting involved in the Ukraine war, because then we could watch how the next generation of warfare state v. state would evolve. And it turned into low-grade you know, drone warfare, right? Mm -hmm. Where that became the most, one of the most efficient ways to deal with trench and entrenched warfare and anti-aircraft because it's so small. Hmm. Well, wow. and, and, anyway, then, so, and then there's the cyber warfare element that's going to start peaking up in warfare too. Right. Like maybe less so in the Middle East, but when we're talking about North Korea, Russia, um, China, the cyber warfare is a very big deal. And yeah. that is much more unseen too. It's not, but it has massive economic repercussions and influential repercussions um, from it. So the Robert Pape point that I'm trying to make is that all these all these groups all have this underlying insecurity of being dominated by a strange foreign power. Additionally, that the way Israel plays into this whole thing, right? Israel is the core motive for the recruitment of the people who attacked us on 9-11, right? Is that and the killing and bombing of people during the Iraq war in the 1990s uh, and the resulting regime... Um, uh, sanctions afterwards that resulted in 500,000 kids dying of dysentery and of various different pre preventable diseases. Those sorts of motives, if you don't attack those motives and take those away, I'm not exactly sure how you get out of this problem, right? And you can't do that unless you do something about the Palestinians and you can't do that unless you get Israel to act on the Palestinians and Israel refuses to act on the Palestinians because they elected the Likud party every year for a couple decades now. Hmm. Uh, and the Likud party's official position is that there, no, there's never going to be a two-state solution. And the real frustrating thing is that we keep on suffering the consequences of that support. And I'm not saying what I think, I, I'm not saying I know what Israel should do, 
But I am saying that we're paying a cost for it. Yeah. And it's very clear that this is what their, mo- their, their, their key motive is. They're not attacking us because of our freedom. They're not attacking us because we listen to Taylor Swift, right? You know, or some like because of democracy or something like that. Mm-hmm. They attack us because they see our support of Israel as something that is us, us controlling a Muslim population with overwhelming force. This, and this is the ironic thing. Biden is using the just pure financial coincidence, support, and coincidence is too weak, the, the Iran support of some Shiite militia groups as a reason to potentially attack Iran while saying we're going to support Israel no matter what. And also all these other militia Without groups. Without <laughs> contingent on whether or not they are conducting a genocide, which is the question that's up in the news cycle this week and brought up because the International Criminal Court of Justice has, you know, recently found, we covered it while it was being brought up, that the claims of genocide are plausible based on the evidence and the statements of Israeli officials. Wow. And I said, at the time, I said, like, hey, this is a non-trivial thing that Mm -hmm. could go this way, not only because of the makeup of these courts, but it was 15 to 15, the only one justice did not vote yes. Wow. Out of 16. So what does that mean? Like what, where, where we go from here? Well, oh yeah. So the, uh, this is just the preliminary case. This is like, think of this as like the arraignment hearing. Okay. The, the initial case is like, we're going to see if there's something here. Is a genocide going on or not? This is the role of the ICJ. Yeah. Um, and if from here, it's going to be a years long process of determining the facts on the ground using the adversarial like process. Sure. Uh, but there's no enforcement here. And all this says is that there is something to look at. There's something plausible. And, you know, Israel is, is required, quote, required to submit a report to the court that takes steps to take in, to comply with the orders within one month of the ruling. Um, and then the court will examine the merits of the case. Uh, what is the significance of Iran in the larger geopolitical scheme of things? Ooh, that's a good question. Like, like why is Iran so important? I'm just pulling up a map right now. Um, part of it's oil, right? So Iran supports, you know, the, the, they, they don't, they don't sell oil the way we think they should. And additionally, like the history there, right, is, is substantial. And then they're at a key, you know, area with, um, both their relationship to the Caspian Sea, the Persian Gulf, uh, and then the Strait of Hormuz, um, also worth noting, just uh, because if people aren't familiar with the Middle Eastern map, um, on the right, on the east side of Iran is Afghanistan and Pakistan, where we've obviously been doing a lot of shenanigans. On the on the west side is Iraq, Syria, you know, where yep. we've also been doing a lot of shenanigans. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and we have everything that's been going on in Azerbaijan recently, mm-hmm. um, which has been strangely just like out of the news. Yeah. Like there's, there's been- a lot of, there's a lot of uh, natural gas pipelines and various things that connect the Black Sea to the Caspian Sea for shipping to Uzbekistan, Iran, all over that area. Yeah. Uh, so there's a tremendous amount of Georgia, uh, as um, Armenia and Azerbaijan that, that have a, politic that we've been long involved in well so yeah and if, you, if you're watching visually here like if you just imagine a, a line right here you know russia and georgia has always had some there's been some stuff there you have <laughs> azerbaijan and russia here yeah. and those are all in the northern border of iran right. we have turkey who's nato right mm-hmm. and iraq so like there's just like a line here everybody's fighting over this line that yep. it's just like all blobbed up in here and then we have a bunch of stuff on this side and iran's just right in the middle of it all right right um so yeah, you're right. There's there there's the great powers sort of thesis component of that, and there's also like what to do with the oil that they possess, trade and, routes, uh, the oil monopolies that we want to control, uh, trade, yeah, trade, international trade, uh, supplying our enemies with 
trade, um, oil and technology, all those kinds of things that they would say is the core reason. So, okay. So the, 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 we've already established that it's fairly dubious to link Iran directly to the attack that happened just geographically looking at this map, we've got Iran over here. And then on the other side of Iraq, which borders Iran, there's Jordan. And that's where the attack actually occurred, right? Mm -hmm. It's yep. fairly far away. And where in what border was it with Jordan? It's where, a, where the attack it's was? Uh, north, right? So it was right on the border between Jordan and Syria, Syria and, and Syria. Iraq. So that little like area right there. We don't um, actually have the exact location. They don't release that sort of thing. Also, keeping in mind just in the whole like, yeah, the power games thesis here, Syria is also a major thorn in, in uh, the west side here. And Bashar al-Assad has been, been, they've been trying to get rid of him for decades now, right? Um, and so you end up having kind of Iran and Syria linked together where that is just inside, inside of a massive Western alliances right here. Right. Right. That America has been trying to push poll in a favorable direction for a very long time. I mean, everything, everything from Hillary Clinton guys getting involved to, to in Syria during the Obama administration, right? All of these things are all every, they're all sold as all oh, we just needed the next bombing campaign. The next thing that we're going to do is like a, it's like a Coke dealer. Like someone's just addicted to just cocaine. one more hit, man. Just one more. We just do one more. It's like Ryan, Ryan Long's bit. It was like Lindsey Graham promises just one more, one more war. <laughs> and then that'll be enough. I promise. Right. Right. <laughs> and, and that's always the strategic logic that they want to establish. And you have to reject the framing. That's why you got to have, that's why we always get into the history and the geography and the, all the things of this to the level of resolution that we can, we try to present as accurately as we can so that we could frame up for people so that they're not drawn into the war propaganda. Because if you look at it, it's very clear. CNN said the first thing they said, it was drone fired by, quote, Iran-backed militants and appeared to come from Syria. It is still being determined which militia group specifically is responsible. And so, like, we don't know anything, but we know that, we know that it was Iran's fault, right? Of course. It's just, it's, and, then, and then when pressed, they had to back off. The Pentagon had to back off repeatedly. And, it's, and then when asked about it, Biden said, doesn't matter. They fund them. And we or would, groups like them. We would never <laughs> tolerate that standard applied to us. We, our cause du jour would never work that way. We wouldn't say we were responsible for everything Israel does because we fund them. Right. Well, well, and it's the same thing. Like this entire region, all this region is, is just varying different groups funding different militia groups. Like everything that was going on in Syria, Syria with al-Nusra Front, the, the, the al-Nusra Front, who were the re rebels against Bashar al-Assad, who we were backing, w was also ISIS, who we, who we were fighting in Iraq, right? <laughs> yeah, like, it's, right. like this, is how, this is how messy this whole thing is. So like we're backing the guys on this side, but we're not backing the guys on this side because yeah. like we're on, it's just. We're actually backing al-Qaeda against uh, uh, Assad in Syria at mm -hmm. one point, giving them weapons, like the guys who attacked us on 9-11. So like when you think of the foreign policy establishment, think of that moment. And think of the lies that they're currently trying to tell you to sell you on a war with Iraq. Because when you get a, a release from the State Department, it is public relations, which is indistinguishable from propaganda. propaganda. Yeah, same thing. Okay, so this is all just an insane mess. <laughs> and I'm sure to anyone who's more normie than me, and there are you know, plenty of people out there like me who don't know all the ins and outs of this conflict, how do you, how do you, how, how do you look at this and not go, well, like we, we should just, get out entirely how do you how do you look at it and, and not go well we've caused so much trouble we need to just we need to clean it up we need to do something about it before we leave mm -hmm. what are some of the mental models you have around you know trying to navigate the future in such an insane mess like we've created in the middle east yeah so one we have to avoid an escalatory spiral in the middle east right um 
this is a, this is a thing we've been trapped in since Hamas ta- attacked Israel that we've been warning against because, like in Ukraine, like in other areas, you just be be very aware. And what we if we had a public that was saying we don't want to go to war, <laughs> we don't want this, and is very clear about it, no matter what, we we don't want to see you create an escalatory spiral. We will hold you accountable to making the situation worse. Uh, that would be ideal. Um, I think holding our own government accountable to their own standard for involvement, right? If we're going to say funding a country is the same thing as that country doing that thing, that is a nasty standard we don't want to be involved with. Mm-hmm. We've got to be careful about setting that standard. We make arguments about the, quote, rules-based international order, and we preach to the rest of the world about how we've made the world a safer place in the last 100 years. The neocons are famous for this. They said, everything's been great in the last 100 years, guys. Haven't you seen, right? None of the major powers have gone to war against one another, and that's obviously because America dominates the world and is the policing power of the world. They don't count Guatemalans, right? They don't count that, right? Because we don't take responsibility for that because it was done with the with the black hat on, mm. right? So my point being that we have to we have to hold the government accountable to the whole of what they do, not just the things that they claim they want to do, right? It's not the intent of their policy; it's the effect of their policy. The effect of the policy of the 1990s in Iraq was 9/11. That doesn't mean we deserved it. It just means that that's what motivated it. And if we want to solve the murder, we want to solve the crime, we have to understand the motive of the criminal. Duh. Mm-hmm. Hated you know? us for our freedoms, Dave. <laughs> uh, and rejecting <laughs> and rejecting the shibboleths. Uh, and lastly for that is the gambler's fallacy, the dead weight last fallacy. Like we have to apply that. What is that? The gambler's fallacy is I've lost $100 betting, so I got about another 100 because mm. then I can make it up. Yeah. And I get I to 200, then I'll stop. Yeah. We are, we are miles deep in this hole with thousands of American lives lost, three more this week. When do we pull out? When do we just say enough is enough? I think it was 10 years ago, right? It was for me 12 years, 12, 15 years ago when I discovered, had got a clearer view of this situation that wasn't informed by propaganda, that was rather informed by careful thought, a wide range of resources and in, in trying to weigh out the best arguments against each other rather than a singular voice that happened to come from the Council on Foreign Relations through the Atlantic Council and push through the propaganda of the Pentagon. Well, and that's the thing is if you're listening to the corporate press on foreign policy in any regard, you're just getting you're getting information directly fed to you from the Pentagon. Like and you're just you're hook, line and sinker to whatever they're trying to feed you. And if you're kind of buying into that Sorry, like that's your, you've been enslaved by this mind virus that is going to be like, yes, we just got to keep killing more brown people in the Middle East, right? And and they they even have a word for it now, cognitive warfare. And that's what it's there for. That's what Taylor Swift does. He took the words right (laughs) out of my mouth, right out of my mouth. Bring it a full circle. Let's go. She's going to be like, we have to invade Iran. The whole next song. (laughs) (laughs) Look what you made me do. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. All right. On that note. All right. Let's... So high point, low point. I'm going to talk about that. And then we're going to go do some fun stuff. Yeah? Yeah. Right now? So we got to follow up. Remember that satanic like um, uh, 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 shrine that got oh, decapitated? Yes. Homie got a hate crime for that. Can you believe it? You should bring up the article. I got a link. Tell me the wow. justice system is satanic without telling me <laughs> the justice system is satanic. The Des Moines Register. Suspect accused of destroying satanic display in Iowa Capitol charged with hate crime. And that is under Iowa's hate crime statute, which is 
very interesting dialogue and discussion we could have by hate crime statutes, but hate crime means one of the following public offenses when committed against a person or a person's property because of the person's race, color, religion, ancestry, national origin, political affiliation, sex, na- sexual orientation, age, disability, or one's person, person associated association with a person of a certain blah, 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 blah. Religion's one of them. So <laughs> the prosecutor isn't just going to say, hey, this is some criminal, sus, uh, you know, like misdemeanor, mischief sort of thing. This is a hate crime. Wow. Uh, interesting stuff. Wild dude. Well, hate crime is just, yeah. It, <laughs> I, I, He's a fellow the, bald, too, the, the, so the I support him. <laughs> I, I support him. <laughs> Now, can you say that it's a hate crime to 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 uh, accuse him of this because bald is a religion and he is a part of the bald religion? Therefore, it's a it's a you know it's an attack on your religion. We're not a protected protected class, especially yeah, it's just a cult at this point. It's it's not quite there. Oh, you guys need to like uh, it's more like the Masons, right? It's more like a. You guys do do more like closed room ceremonies and rituals. And we stuff. have a secret handshake. Like that. That's kind of Satanist, like though, thing. right? I mean, it's kind of got some similar vibes. <laughs> yeah, why would a fellow bald go against Satan, right? <laughs> Hail lobster, am I right? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know how that connects. Well, this is wild. Yeah. So right? okay. So so does this establish then uh, legal precedent for crimes against Christians? Crimes against no, anyone crimes else? against Satanists. Yeah. And okay. So, so what's interesting here is the reason why they could do this is because the Biden admin, or the Trump administration said, "Hey, you know, for IRS purposes, the Satan Church is a church." Yeah. So if somebody attacks like a Christian church, is that a hate crime now? Well, it, it was technically before, well, but that never gets charged as such. Rarely. I don't know. Rarely. I don't know. I think a lot of Christians would say we don't. We don't. We don't count. Can we stop talking about hate crimes? Like this is such a, it's like new speak that just does not matter. (laughs) Like it doesn't matter. It's, it's either a crime or it's not. It doesn't matter how much hate was in your heart when you did it. Yes. Yes, it does. Motive matters, right? It does matter. This is always the technical part that I think I don't like, but is true in crime. If you intend to kill the person, that's different than if it was on accident. So motive does matter. Sure. That said, there's a difference between yes. I intended the, the, to kill him. The hate element <laughs> is the thing. That's the thing. Like, like, it's become this new clarifier, which I th- believe stems out of Canada during the whole, uh, during all the free speech stuff that was going on. Oh, no, it precedes that. that. Does it precede yeah, that? Yeah, hate crime goes all the way back to the 1990s, right? It goes, it's long in America. So I, I think it's popularization came out in like the most recent decade. If though. it is Canadian, I'm not surprised. <laughs> all I'm saying. But, but I mean, hate crime is, it's, you're, well, you're articulating cause exactly the classic argument against hate crime because no one ever says, I hate gay people in this example. And this is going to be clipped. I hate gay people. I was going to murder one, but I'm not going to murder one because I'll get a worse crime than if he wasn't a gay person. You should not have said that. Right. So it's an example. I don't know how else to say it, but I'm trying to make it simple. That's fair. Or Dave hates gay people. It's worse if I want to say black people or something. Right. I'm just saying it. So I, my just point this hole even is it isn't, it, there's no evidence to suggest that hate crime legislation actually makes people less hateful. It doesn't change people's motives. It doesn't really change anything that has to do with crime. It just is another tool in to increase punishment if you're an AG who particularly doesn't like the situation that's going on here. Does that make sense? Yeah. If if you're an AG who's super Christian in this case, you give him you have these the the power to just give him the criminal mischief and he slides right through with a minimal thing. But if you really want to make a strong statement, something for you to run on next less section next year you can really smash them with the hate crime legislation because it's a religion Mm -hmm. those are the perverse incentives of hate crime legislation especially one now the left here's here's where we're gonna attack the left from the left 
the left is spending all this time saying how over-incarceration is a huge problem. Hate crime legislation is part of that problem. Oh, interesting. Right? But they all support hate crime legislation because they think it has the social outcomes that they want. Egalitarianism yeah. is the basis of hate crime legislation. Right. Like, it's just because it, what matters is where you are on the power dynamic scale on whether or not you can have a hate crime or not. Like, that's that's where the philosophy stems from, at least as I see it in practice. Right. Yeah. It tends to be. Well, th- yeah. And that's an interesting point because you have conservatives looking at this and going, well, wait, we had these BLM riots all throughout the summer of 2020 and beyond, and they tore down however many statues of founding fathers and, and you know, statues that were, you know, important to the country, important to people on the right, et cetera, to all Americans, hopefully. Nothing happened to those people. And they're still doing it. And they're still doing it. Yeah, like Thomas Jefferson was like last week. And I know it's like kind of... Uh, a Thomas Jefferson statue, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a weird way to say it. <laughs> a Thomas Jefferson statue was yeah. torn down as recently as like within the last week or two. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's it's really kind of like a broken record to point out anymore that there's this two-tiered justice system in America right now that doesn't doesn't treat political affiliations the same way doesn't treat power you know um oppressor oppressed dynamics equally well so and that's always been a criticism from the left right it's always been a criticism that if you do uh financial crimes you're going to get a minimal penalty but if you sell drugs you're going to get a maximum and now it's just flipped and so they're saying well well, is that making anything better it's in our interest now so we're not going to complain about it because it helps our people our group our our identity and that is a cycle that's an escalatory cycle right it's a political escalatory cycle where you're not making anything better because you're not motivated by principle you're not motivated mm-hmm. by an equal principle you're motivated by interest group and as soon as the power dynamic shifts back which it will it's just going to be leveraged even harder right in the other direction or it could be and that's the concern right, right? That's the, the, it, it your is political opponent gets into office and then they yeah. do all the stuff to try to oppress you back that's right Another great example of that that I have to talk about because it happened this week was the three immigrants in in uh, um, New York City. Ah, uh, yes. And them like attacking police officers and then getting no bail release and then a ticket to California, according to some. Well, there's a video. Yeah, there's the video of of these. I think it was like four or five yeah. um, illegal immigrants that I'm as I'm aware, uh, like literally beating up and like kicking these two cops. Yeah. NYPD cops. And then the most recent video I saw was them getting released with no charges and they're flipping off the cameras yeah. as they're walking out. Like, yeah. we got you. Yeah. We win. And really like, wow, this is seriously. the same place that's going to put a, a guy who restrained a guy, a, a, a person on a, on a train. And, you know, don't get me wrong. Like, I think the guy, you know, messed up. I mean, it was, it was improper chokehold for too long sort of thing, but is going to put that guy in prison for that while he was trying to protect somebody from, you know, a guy who in his interpretation was being violent. And, and, and so, in the interpretation of the other people on that train as well, as opposed to someone who's actually being violent to an actual police officer, right? Which is crazy. With right? That, no, with no claim to any sort of, you know, justice around right. the act that they were committing. They and were it, just being violent against cops. Right. And it's not these individual cases. It's, it's the overall arcing picture that is painting of what our justice system is and how far it is from where the ideal is. Yeah. The ideal is if you harm somebody, you pay a penalty for it, especially if you are, you shouldn't be here in the first place as an illegal migrant. You probably ought to be kicked out of the country, not sent to California without bail. How much of this is is potentially an intentional degradation of the trust in American institutions? 
Well, the overall game theory, and the, here's here's some free alpha for libertarians, I would say, is libertarians are too harsh on cops, and what they should be doing is funding the fraternal orders around cops to be able to allow for cops to stop cucking out to the left who hates them. Because the cops right now, as the ethos, are a generally conservative, patriotic group of people mm-hmm. on average, mm-hmm. but they're sitting here having to obey the laws instilled to them in metropolitan areas by progressives who legitimately are trying to destroy their own society. Right? Right. So what, what I think wealthy conservatives and libertarians should be doing is actively funding private, like their private orders, like the fraternity of police, get that sticker on your car kind of a thing so that they know I'm on their side. Cause I think that we are like actually watching quasi civil war breaking out especially in metropolitan cities and that's the game theory of of how that plays out and and even if you're the kind of person that really wants to see criminal justice reform it's better to be closer to the people that you are trying to change the minds of than to be an enemy of them Mm -hmm. right so if if you're showing up and you're there and you're honestly engaged you're more likely to get the things that you need well and all, all these major cities cops are having to deal with like licensure things and putting people in jail because of bad licensing and like it's all this nonsense like technocratic you know progressive egalitarian bullshit that they're having to deal with instead of actually like cleaning up the streets from crime <laughs> right, right. And, and then the then the cities are just denigrating entirely we don't see it as much in like bozeman well we see it in bozeman like we see yeah. elements of it right but um but like in the major cities, that's what's happening. And I don't think it's useful for libertarians per se to be making enemies of the people that can clean it. Like I take a very Rothbardian approach. Roth- Rothbard, especially like old man Rothbard was, you know, he was an anarchist, <laughs> but, uh, but he was saying, if we're going to be paying for this stuff, let's actually put the cops to use to actually clean up like like his belief is that we should have private policing and all this stuff in an ANCAP society but like that's not the society we live in so we should be playing the game as it is right now and be using them to clean up the clean up the problems actually clean up crime like real crime yeah. not fake bogus crime that gets putting get being put on the books right? social engineering stuff yeah. like that yeah so uh one other thing that we were completely right about just uh, uh this is actually a weird transition sorry uh was Ukraine was caught this week. Corrupt officials stole $40 million meant to buy arms for the war with Russia. And uh, we reported on it a long time ago, speculated about it. it. And we were right, guys. It's the motherfucking it's okay. hilarious that you bought these clout, these clout glasses for us. <laughs> had, had to have uh, yeah, them. Had we're going to use them a lot. Uh, <laughs> for, the for Maui, the, we got a lot of things right last year, I think. <laughs> FEMA is continuing to screw up uh, things in Maui. Uh, we kind of predicted that we thought that this was going to be a disaster. And this is this is it was an easy call because the uh, FEMA did such a terrible job after Katrina uh, that it was easy call that they were going to screw up Maui. Um I think that's probably undercalculated just how big of a deal that is. And there has been an under, uh, undergirth of reporting, but there was some that kind of trickled out today. Um, uh, uh, Zelensky, uh, sorry, I got to circle back to this. Also what happened this week, Zelensky asked one of his top generals to resign, possibly because the general is, cu- is, is for cutting losses and securing peace with Russia. Oh. Yeah. Oh, so he's he's against yeah, the Ukraine must win at all costs narrative. So he's got to go. Yeah, 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 yeah. And his uh, his uh, his staff are saying that he hasn't been asked to resign. So there's like maybe a constitutional crisis going on in Ukraine. 
We'll see. A constitutional crisis? Uh-huh. Yeah, like if this general refuses to go, is that a coup? Like, is it Zelensky? Like, that's interesting. Um, Probably ends up on a plane that crashes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sounds a lot like Russia. All right. Um, I do want to check out the Nancy Pelosi uh, and her uh, talk about the Ukraine. We got to organize these better. My bad, guys. God. It's impossible Nancy to find Pelosi good help around here anymore. About to, to be fair, most of these stories were like, eh, we might get to them. So. No, I, these are really interesting stories. One of the challenges that Democrats might have in organizing is some anger in some corners of the progressive movement mm-hmm. over Biden's Joe Biden's support for Israel in its war uh, against Hamas terrorists. How concerned are you, especially given the fact that we have seen protesters over and over and over uh, at his events? How concerned are you that people, young people, Arab Americans, progressives, I'm not suggesting that they're going to go vote for Donald Trump, but how concerned are you that they might just stay home? Well, let me just say this, because I've been the uh, recipient of their, shall we say, exuberances in this regard as recently as in Seattle on uh, Thursday, unfortunately, wanted to disrupt our very exciting Democratic meeting there. They're in front of my house all the time. So I, I, I have a feeling for what feelings they have. But we have to think about what we're doing. And what we have to do is try to stop the suffering in Gaza. This is women and children, people who don't have a place to go. So let's address that. But for them to call for a ceasefire is Mr. Putin's message. Mr. Putin's message. Make no mistake, this is directly connected to what he would like to see. Same thing with Ukraine. It's about Putin's message. I think some of these, some of these protesters are spontaneous and organic and sincere. Some, I think, are connected uh, to Russia. And I say that having looked at this for a long time now, as you, you know. You think some of these protests are Russian plants? See, they're plants. I think some financing should be investigated. And I want to ask the, the uh, uh, FBI to investigate that. But apart from that, let's just say it's all spontaneous and sincere. Let's say it's all spontaneous and sincere. Young people care about the right to choose. They care about LGBTQ issues. Okay, they right, care right, about right. preserving the politicking. planet. They care about gun violence. Let me pause your website, CNN. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, so this reminds me so much of Nikki Haley. You remember what Nikki Haley said after October 7th? What'd she say? Guess what else happened on October 7th? Putin was born on that day. He couldn't have planned it better. In fact, he probably didn't. Nah, not exactly what he said. Though. But there couldn't be something that they could do that would benefit him more because now it's going to shift global attention away from Ukraine into Israel. So really, Putin really is what benefits here. This is the, okay, so we just spent an entire episode conspiracy theorizing, right? And talking and speculating on things and then nailing some things and saying like, we really know this, but we don't know this and trying to parse all that stuff out for you because that's the moment we live in. That is a way worse conspiracy theory. Why? Because she is a literal member of the intelligence agency community as, a, as the chairman of the Senate intelligence community, uh, uh, committee. And she's saying, the people who are criticizing me for supporting Israel and supporting the, you know Biden for supporting our plant Russian plants are controlled by Putin right she's a she's a freaking senator 
Uh, we, we, we've had to deal with this. We've we had senators doing this the entire Trump administration, right? Like you had Adam Schiff and pushing the Russian propaganda or the the rush the idea of Trump being a Russian asset and all these things, right? right? Like we've been dealing with this for years. This is what they do. <laughs> this shouldn't be a surprise to anyone at this point, right? At what point do we just pat them on the head and say that's nice? Just Nancy, just <laughs> go just away. Go back to stock trading. <laughs> yes. yeah, you're so, so good at it. <laughs> it demonstrates the uniparty, right? If you if you're being held accountable to your own standards that you promised to your own voters, blame Putin, throw it off on them, say, oh, all all Putin ever will ever understand is force. Do all the cliches and then move on. It should be cliches to our audience. We want to make it cliches to the world. Like, share, comment on the podcast. Let's go. Let's grow this thing. Yeah. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the insanity. You know what I mean? It's 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 so frustrating to watch the same play play out a thousand times and the American people not hold anybody accountable. Democracy yeah. is a totally logical system of governance. It's, it's it totally works. <laughs> Shibboleth. It's going, it's go, it's shibboleth. going great, guys. It's We're, going great. Democracy's doing good. Good for the greater good. <laughs> I got it. All right. Do we want to go there? No. Thank you guys for watching. Let's call it. Let's call it. How how long has it? This might be our longest episode it's ever. About two hours. Two and a half hours. Nice. Two hours. All right. It was fun. Got some depth. Got some breadth. A lot of fun. That's right. Got That's right. Swift. I got a nice pastry out of the deal. Thank <laughs> Happy you. Happy birthday, Wait, brother. Thank actually, you. Actually, one more Taylor Swift fun fact for David. Um, apparently, this the Super Bowl will be Taylor Swift's thirteenth game that she oh, spent to this oh. asset. Asset. <laughs> Also, if you fly American that's Airlines, a, that's some occult shit right there. <laughs> like I've studied the occult. That's some that's some occult shit. You guys saw the American Airlines thing, right? You think they counted it backwards to it? Like, yeah, that's like, that's that we start in week four. We gotta cut it. We're done. We got stuff to do. How, I'm hungry. How old is she? She's like 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, 30, if she's 33, it's all fucking totally occult Illuminati shit. Why would 33 she's 34. be? Different? She's 34. Uh, <sighs> me too, uh, though. Tay-Tay, give me a call when you, when, you, just, when you decide she, to lose that chump. To be fair, <laughs> she just turned 34 in December. Oh, uh, okay. So she was 33 when the relationship started. Therefore, but, think, but the numerology, if you add three and four, it's seven. And what does seven mean? I'm not sure. <laughs> Probably something though. <laughs> Seven minus four is three, and three plus one is four. Oh shit! <laughs> All right, we need to end this. But three, but three is the trinity. If you made it this far, we're so terribly sorry. Uh, thank you guys. Uh, I thank, thought we cut like five minutes ago. No, <laughs> no we're still recording. All right, uh, we're we're gonna go now. Thanks for watching. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to Human Reaction. Help us fight internet censorship by liking, commenting, subscribing following and sharing the show with your friends to find us around the internet visit linktree.com slash human reaction pod and remember joe how she look <laughs> well she's got a garden growing on her chest. <laughs> yeah I'm trying to tell what's going on underneath it looks like maybe like a screen grab from like winnie the pooh is that piglet's piglet's ears there <laughs> that's